Cradeline Network. My name is Conrad, and welcome to another in our series of Space Spinner 2000's Judge Dredd Complete Case Files Collections. With this series, we're collecting our coverage of Judge Dredd from his earliest adventures onward, as they can be read in the case file collections that Rebellion publishes. We'd love to be your accompaniment on Dredd's many adventures. We're on to the fourth case file now, with Dread taking one issue off in Prog 155. This collection goes from Progs 156 to 207, from March 1980 to April 1981. Volume 4 combines both the six-month Judge Child mega-epic with shorter series about life and the law in Mega City 1. The stories in this volume are almost entirely done by the classic four Dread artists Brian Bolland, Mike McMahon, Ron Smith, and Ian Gibson with newcomer Steve Dillon, also making his debut in Dread. Everything's written by John Wagner and or Alan Grant, with the lettering by Tom Frame. I think there's an interesting contrast in this volume between Dread and the judges being heroes versus villains. I think Dread goes both ways in the Judge Child, and this volume has several stories where the judges are specifically antagonists against regular mega citizens. Um, it's an interesting change for the character, or I guess evolution of the character that we'll certainly see more of in the years to come for Judge Dread. There's also a few things I want to elucidate from our original coverage here. We talk about Ian Gibson, um, having a dread story called Knock on the Door that appeared alongside the Fink. And I've learned since that uh, dread since Dredd barely appeared in the Fink story, there was worried about not enough dread in the comics. They tossed an extra story just to um, make sure you were getting enough dread in your weekly prog. Also, partway through, you might notice that the pseudonym of the writer of Dread changes from John Howard to T.B. Grover. And this is partly to signal that John Wagner was now regularly writing with Alan Grant, but also because the John Howard name had actually been burned in the first Dread annual. They had revealed Wagner's identity as writing it. There's some weird politics in 1980s comics, most because Wagner and Grant were just writing a ton of things that those writers often wrote under pseudonyms just to re- just um to hide how much they were actually doing <laughs> in across not just 2008 but many other comics. Anyway, let's get to the stories. Episode 47. Progs 154 to 158. March 1980. Dread actually takes Prog 155 off. There's no uh Dread in 155. We eh, That's his last because yeah, definitely. It's his last day off until Prague 111. <laughs> or, oh or sorry, uh, Prague 1100, I should say. Um, Holy crap. Yeah. So, Pro- so uh, Dread is moved to the center of the comics. We get some sweet color pages. Mm-hmm. Out in the cursed earth, Dread rolls into a town controlled by slavers. <laughs> and he takes just all the slavers down between his, his lawgiver and the lawmaster bike and all that stuff. Also, um, shout out to the lawgiver. It gets like some character in this so, arc. Yeah, I really yeah, the, love it. The law masters the bike, but yeah, you're right. Oh, right, law master. Yeah. So there's one surviving slaver who gets stuck in uh in quicksand or like sulfur sand, I guess to be precise. Dread mm. Dread demands to know if he's seen this boy. 
<laughs> and we flash back to many days earlier as the powerful side judge Faye dies but gives a final prophecy. His visions are 88.8% accurate. He sees a great war destroying Mega City 1 with four evil creatures rising to prey on the survivors. This will happen in 2120, 18 years from now, a.k.a. 1998, if you're reading these progs. We'll get there. Um, but <laughs> one thing can save us. A child born with a symbol of the eagle on his head. He will rule the city in its gravest hour. His name is Owen Chrysler, the Judge Child, and he must be found! So awesome. It's good, man. After some searching, it's revealed that Chrysler and his family left Mega City 1 to settle in Mutiland four years ago. Dread heads out to find him. He arrives at the settlement to find out it's recently been raided by slavers. Uh, Owen's parents were murdered, like basically just hung from a signpost, essentially, and he's carried off. And Yeah, he, he just sort of watched it happen, and he was like, all right, mother and father, I must go on my journey yeah. now. I'm sorry Even that you're dead. Absolutely. Even as a kid, Owen's showing precognitive ability, so he's very like serene because he knows things are going to happen because he can see them coming in the future. Oh my god. Yeah. So Dredd finds a picture of the kid and he confirms that he's got the eagle birthmark, so the chase is on. The slaver... So back in the present, the slaver reveals that Owen has been taken to the slave market in Neutron Flats, and for his help, Dredd saves the slaver from the sulfur sand, but leaves him to his former slaves to be lynched or whatever. Dredd heads out. The quest is on! Dude, and we get to go to a hive of scum and villainy. Absolutely, yeah. We get start with a cold open where Dredd is in Neutron Flats slave market for sale. Then we flash back a bit... Of, uh, a few hours ago to see Dredd roll into town under a cloak hiding his identity. After seeing how Just rough awesome. things are for slaves in the Cursed Earth. Yeah, man, like a cloak Dredd. He's incognito. It's super cool. The bike's in, in, in uh, incognito mode also, which is, which is also kind of cool. So, yeah. Dredd interrogates the auctioneer about the location of Owen Chrysler, and he was sold six months ago to Fillmore Pharaoh, the garbage king, leader of the Brotherhood of Trash. He's a huge slave and landowner and styles himself the god of garbage. Um, it's pretty ridiculous and also pretty great. Yeah. Dredd's worried about um, an assault on Pharaoh's compound endangering Chrysler, so instead he lets himself be sold into slavery. Dredd gets sold to the Brotherhood of Trash, and he's taken away with his lawmaster on auto on AI-controlled autopilot following a little bit behind, taking down anyone that messes with it. <laughs> we go to Pharaoh's kingdom, and it's very ancient Egypt. There's giant statues of him be being pulled by slaves. We go to the city mm -hmm. of Memphis, which uh, is full of like pyramids and sphinxes and stuff. When Pharaoh finally appears, he's pretty crazy. Um... But his love of finding old junk in the, uh, in the trash heaps of 20th century America have made him a very rich man selling on the antique market. He's. Which is like very interesting. Like I, we, I saw some of the things that they consider antiques and it's like what? It's a bunch of junk. What it's like. Does it serve? Yeah, it's like street signs or table lamps, other things like that. Mm. Um. So he's received a pro um he's like having a tomb built because he knows he's about to die because he received a prophecy from the bird boy, aka uh. the judge child. 
Dredd calls in the lawmaster and leads a fast slave revolt on the grounds of Memphis, putting on a robe oh. of a cult member. He enters the chamber of Pharaoh, who is being fitted with a burial shroud made out of um, <laughs> soda can pull tabs. Which is awesome. Yeah. As this is happening, a hooded figure injects Owen with a needle, knocking him out. Dredd starts to die hard his way through the temple, and he finds the judge's child. Ah, mission complete. It's almost too easy. But then he gets hit by that same needle by the hooded guy. Because apparently this guy got advance warning from Owen Chrysler to watch out for Judge Dredd, and now things look bad for our hero. Next episode, Sacrifice to the Garbage God! I love how the Garbage God wants to get buried with all of his garbage. I mean, that's very, like, ancient Egypt stuff. You know, they want to be buried with all their stuff. Yeah, just like, like, just like, ah, just bury me with all my garbage. I love the little touches when they were, like, sanctifying the ground. Like, throwing garbage on it. Yeah, there's a bunch. So apparently all of, like, the cultists and stuff are actually just sort of jerks that are humoring the crazy pharaoh or whatever but mm. it is it is funny that they've sort of just you get these snippets of a concept of this whole like garbage religion based around like sort of half remembered ancient egypt stuff it's kind of fun yeah i really enjoyed it a lot it was just super goofy and anytime that you say the word precog in something i'm reading i'm pretty engaged <laughs> yeah man well listen I don't have to see the future to know that the Judge Child is going to be awesome and in our lives for the next, like, six months. <laughs> oh, my God. Episode 48. Progs 159 to 162. April 1980. Thrill 3. Judge Dread. Yes. Yeah, Procession buddy. of Death. So script robots, John Wagner, writing is John Howard. Art robots are Ron Smith and Mike McMahon. Lettering robot is Tom Frame. So, okay. Ah, there's so much, there's so much Judge Dredd this month, too. So, so, hey, you're, you're a demigod who is also going to kill a small child. What would you bring in your procession of death? What wouldn't I bring? That's what I want to know. I mean, I guess I'd have a bunch of dudes, like, playing music on garbage and a bunch of weird mutants up in front and then some mutants that kind of looked like, you know, uh, Egyptian deities. And I'd be, like, shaking my hands in the air, like, hey, check out my pull-tab rings suit. Hey, that those pull-tab rings mark me as the king of garbage. You know how hard it is to gather that many pull-tabs? Um, <laughs> just from, like, leftover garbage dumps in the ruins of the old world, dude? It's hard. Yeah, it's probably pretty difficult. I mean, he, they, it is called Priceless. So, But yeah, okay. So here we are. Um, it's the funeral for Fillmore Pharaoh, the garbage god. Pharaoh knows he's about to die because of the precognitive abilities of the judge child and is going out in style. Meanwhile, as he does, his kingdom is starting to crumble as slaves revolt and his second-in-command, so we're all mostly like con men, struggle to keep yeah. control. And really, like, aren't struggling too hard. They're just making sure the slaves don't revolt before they can get a bunch of garbage and bust. They're, yeah, they're basically just kind of, like, yeah, keeping things under control just so they can escape in the, in the right, with the right amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> Which, what the hell? When he learns that the judge child will die when Pharaoh dies, Dredd calls in his lawmaster bike, and it's yes. time to just, just kill a ton of people. Uh, 
<laughs> like really just everyone that it could technically possibly kill and yeah. i mean it kills a lot of people mm-hmm. the revolt is on um, Dre- uh dread shoots pharaoh but before he dies pharaoh closes the the coffin that the judge child is in driving a stake like, like a spike into his heart killing the judge child as well which what the hell man yeah things look bad until a rainstorm washes the paint off the kid's head and it turns out <gasps> it's just some regular kid that that was murdered by the by the pharaoh guy but where the hell's the judge child? Well, we learn that, well, as the freed slaves start sending their former masters down the side of the pyramids on skateboards to their death. Which is Dred- great. Dredd learns that one of the surviving henchmen, Brother Bunsen, has absconded with the, with the judge child to Texas City. So we're off! Oh, I'm so excited for Texas City. Yeah. Walk so, tall, motherfuckers. It's true. So as we arrive in Texas City, we see see, see that the map has changed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So now, now Mega City 1 just covers just the East Coast, um, but goes as far north as probably as like uh, southern Co- Quebec, and then ends at about like South Carolina or so, as opposed to yeah. Florida, as we've, as we've seen previously. Um, meanwhile, Louisiana seems to have completely flooded, which is reasonable, and... Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, te- and Texas City covers most of, like, eastern and mid-Texas with, like, sort of a line between Houston and San Antonio forming the southern border and then going up to Dallas or so. Oh, my God. You're Sorry, I'm trying. I got all, – all I got is geography. That's <laughs> like <laughs> – just trying to paint the picture. But so Dread, uh, Dread rides into Texas City by boat. And it gives us a great skyline of the city. Oh, man. Complete with like a massive cowboy statue that's like waving howdy. Tons of cowboy imagery around the city. There's like saddle buildings and like um, buildings with like like uh, steer heads on them and cowboy hats yeah. on them and stuff. Dude, and then Everest Oil Tower, which is so tall that it has a permanent ice cap on top of it. Absolutely. Yeah, two miles high. <laughs> so Damn. Dread arrives in town, but learns that he'll have no help finding the judge child, as all the Texas judges are busy either as part of like a a mutant roundup, which Dread seems to disagree with, and the rest are dealing with catching the deadly Angel Gang that's now on the loose. Which apparently you need like a contingent of judges just to deal with. Definitely reasonable. So, (laughs) luckily, Dread of course prefers to work alone. Um, Yep. Says it right out the gate. Yeah. So he uses the Texas City crime computer to find recent uses of psychic powers in the city. He traces them to a fortune teller, Brother Death, in Muty World, which is a deadly amusement park, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you got nothing better to do than walk up to a giant hand that's coming out of some water and get your head scrunched. Exactly. Yeah, there's an arm monster. Uh, Brother Death is telling people what day they'll die, and that's Brother Bunsen with the Judge Child, we're all pretty sure. And in fact, we're so sure that so is the Angel King. <laughs> yeah, before Dread can find him, the Angels do, Paw Angel and his three sons, they've twigged to Bunsen's, to a Brother Death's con, and, you know, that he's sort of, that he's teamed up with a psychic, and that he has a, uh, like a way of, of communicating with him and stuff like that. So they demand the kid or mean angel who has a dial on his head that regulates oh. his level of anger and violence will go up to four on him. 
Which, and man, oh my god, I'm so stoked that the angels have finally shown up, dude. Um, it's, They're it's, pretty it's cool. So, it's so awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you're new to Judge Dredd, definitely you can see sort of a visual version of the angels in the Stallone um, Judge Dredd movie, which is pretty. Yeah, pretty I remember. F- yeah, it's pretty faithful to what these um, mm-hmm. angels are like, I'd say. And they're just, I'll spoil you by letting you know that they're going to be the primary antagonist in this here Judge Child story. Uh, oh, awesome. But so, uh, Brother Death tries to run off with the Judge Child, but Dread catches him first. Death runs into a giant building shaped like a monster that's like a high dive, and Dread gives chase. <laughs> The Angel Gang grab that arm monster that's in a pit that Fox mentioned earlier and oh six it on the both of them. And it's disgusting looking. It's got like one eye, one massive human arm, one little weird tentacle thing, claw feet, and a gaping slabber, slobbering maw. Like, yeah, toothless ugh. maw. <laughs> It's really gross. Yeah. So okay. So there's this. So there's this thing, Fox. It's the uh, the Jaws of Doom high dive. You jump from the mouth <sighs> of a giant monster and you try to hit this tiny like glass of water, basically. Which all right. The inside is full of crazy scaffolding. Uh, Why? Brother Bun. I don't know. I don't know how you get to the top of it normally. <laughs> it seems like they aren't doing the no- the right way. Um, no. <laughs> but so. Uh, Brother Bunsen or Brother Death is uh, is is climbing up there. Dread's going after him, and the thing in the pit is going after them both. <laughs> Great. And um, guess who gets caught first? It's Judge Dread. Well, Dread manages to take the thing down with a series of gravity and scaffolding based uh, kung fu moves, basically aided That's cool. aided by some super awesome combat quips, like. Oh yeah! Only one. But can th- it also defy gravity? Only one thing will stop this monster: a touch of the broken arms. And then he jumps off the scaffolding, like smashes the thing's arm, like on the scaffolding stuff. Hope you're registered, <coughs> Texacare Buster. That arm's gonna take a ton of plaster. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. At the monster's mouth, Dread catches Brother Death, and both of them see the Angel Gang head out with the Judge Child in tow. Great. Another chase. Mm. Dread makes the high dive off the monster and lands in the uh, in in the tiny thing of water, but the angels perfect have escaped. Yeah, perfect ten. But the but uh, the angels have escaped and their path is blocked by this giant like Trail of Tears style muty roundup thing. What the hell? They're just kicking all the mutants out of Texas City, you know? They're uh, anti-mutant racists. They all are wearing t-shirts with a spray-painted M on it. It's really messed up. It's crazy. We're going to, like, interestingly, like, this was actually a big theme in a pretty recent Judge Dredd story when, um, briefly, Mega City 1 and Texas City teamed up, but, like, Texas City's hardline anti-mutant stance really put a strain on things. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's not for, like... That's like a 2016 story. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyhow, so don't worry about that. What is important <laughs> is that Dreads won a ton of prize money for both beating the thing in the pit and doing the high dive. So what does he do? Well, he ta- he trashes it because money is going to be helpful. Because Texas City money is going to be helpful where he's going. The Angel Gang have headed off world, and that's where Dread has to go to follow him. Oh, man, he's got to go to space in the <laughs> coolest, like, judge super vehicle ever. Yeah, buddy. Business has picked up. <laughs> to, to, in the- to- 
to catch the Dude, angels the justice one mm-hmm. to catch the angels dread hops aboard the justice one mega city one's badass star cruiser I don't know if you saw this, but the U is a judge shield. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, so good. It's just, it's this huge, sweet-looking spaceship, and the front of which is just a giant, like, um, badge, basically, or like a, you know, sh- shoulder eagle kind of thing. Me- so Mega City cool. One style. Aboard, ab- aboard ship, we meet the pilot Larder, the engineer Judge Lopez, who has a mustache, and the stringer Judge Motherfucking Hershey. Oh, oh yes. Shit. <laughs> There's also an accountant who dread kicks off the ship right away because no expense will be spared to find the judge child. And he's like, I'm going to make sure this is to budget. Also, that mustache, note that mustache. <laughs> so the mission is underway, despite Dredd's worry about Lopez's facial hair. <laughs> yeah, which is brought up constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Along the way, they stop at the Echo, Echo Bravo 4 mining rig. There's been some irregularities there, and Dredd and Hershey investigate. They find the crew of the rig long dead and the base controlled by the base computer. Dredd and Hershey take turns saving each other from murder bots, put on spacesuits, and blast themselves out the exhaust tunnel to safety as the rig is destroyed by the cruiser. Yeah, FYI, that robot was done darn crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't want, yeah, definitely. The robot, like, it's a crate, like, just seeing all these, the base is all zero G, so there's just all these corpses floating around in it and stuff. It's pretty, like, ridiculous. Yeah, it's very Event Horizon. Definitely, and like I really want to give a shout out to how well Hershey like holds her own, like matching Dread shot for shot, and just being super duper awesome. Dude, Hershey's a badass. Can't stress that enough that Hershey's a badass. Uh, <laughs> and so, so of course, all's well that ends well that they've blown up the station, and he's finally decided to talk to Lopez about his mustache. <laughs> Basically, we start once Dread gets on the ship. He starts like we get access to like his his journal of his journey through space, and I swear to God, every other entry is like either must talk to Lopez about his facial hair or Lopez is not responding to my requests about his facial hair and stuff. It's pretty funny. <laughs> You're not supposed to have no facial hair when you're a judge. You gotta shave that that off, son. Next episode, Buggo versus Black Boab. What the f... Alright. Basically, like, for the next couple months, we're gonna be on this space adventure with Judge Dredd and Hershey and all these guys. Sounds horrible. We're gonna get a chance to see just, like, space in the Dredd universe. Oh, and man. it is everything so about awesome. it is crazy, like and awesome and so good. Oh my gosh! Uh, it was a really good showing. Like, what the hell, man? This like amped up real quick. <laughs> it's definitely, man. Yeah, they definitely just sort of put 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 a brick on the accelerator um, for for the for the judge child. You know, they definitely know we went, they've got we went a fun from story Egypt here. To space. Egypt yeah. to space is like it, or sorry, New Memphis to space. No, I know what you, you mean. Know? There's so much incident in these four progs, <laughs> like, oh, like, God. like you know, post-apocalyptic Egypt to Texas City to space. Yeah, angels going to heaven. Then yeah. we go up to space. Yeah, plus the angel gang, plus Judge Hershey. I don't know. It's good times. Oh man, they're really hitting their stride with this. I, I like that they take some time to just do those generalized one-offs, just so that these come out. Definitely, yeah. That's like a whole. I I got a whole speech about sort of impo- about how you you, you got to pace Judge Red right to develop the city, so then you can leave the city and have more adventures. You know. 
Exactly. And then you just get to come back and find out how fucked up things are still. Exactly. Episode 49. Progs 163 to 167. May, June, and July 1980. Thrill 3. Judge Dread. <laughs> uh, script robot for Judge Dread is John Wagner writing as, or as uh, John Wagner writing as John Howard. Uh, art robots Mike McMahon. Uh, and Ron Smith, letter robots Tom Frame. And I think somewhere in here, um, John Wagner starts teaming up with Alan Grant full time and forming the uh, ever popular Wagner Grant uh, combine of 2000 AD writing. Dude. <laughs> but well, I, I'll tell you this much uh, yeah. Part 8, which is the one that we're going to start off with, is possibly my favorite Judge Dredd of the ones that we've read. <laughs> nice. It's so weird. Yeah. It's an alien tale. It's like a, it's a love story, right? Of a. Uh, mm-hmm. This, there's this lovesick caveman alien named Buggo. He's in love with a cave lady named uh, Uglica. <laughs> and like, what? there's this tough warrior, Black Boab, who rides around on this giant, um, like, space woolly mammoth rhino. <laughs> <laughs> and they challenge, and, Ugg- and uh, Buggo and Black Boab, like, challenge each other to a fight. And it's a whole thing until the Justice One appears, and and uh, B- uh, is able to claim Uglica for his own. As ju- as Dread sort of shows up, asks like, "Has anybody seen this Judge Child?" <laughs> and like, and, uh, and pretty much it's just like, "Oh, weird savages." All right, we're out of here. Yeah, but now they all think he's a god. So yeah, definitely. Whatever. Well, I mean, this guy came from the sky and like did a thing. You know, that's pretty godlike, honestly. <laughs> But came yeah, from the sky did a thing. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a ridiculous story of just like it's such whiplash. I can only imagine if you're reading, especially like a, the collection of this and like a the Judge Child graphic novel or something, where you just turn a page and suddenly it's these ugly cavemen. <laughs> like yeah, and it's like it's a song throughout the whole yeah. thing. Like the guy is singing the ballad of this <laughs> of this thing. It was just very weird. Yeah. It's it's fun, but yeah. So, but now we're just sort of in these episodic things where it's sort of dread and sometimes Hershey land on a planet and have to do stuff and then move on to the next planet, basically. Oh God! And they're so, all really weird. It's it's yeah. kind of a, like a sillier Dan Dare battle action playset. Definitely, yeah. So next up, we go to the planet of the Body Brokers. Well, we start with sort of a super punk rock guy that's apparently also the president. I guess he gets <laughs> he gets mobbed by fans. Until a bunch of cops show up. The cops are all like these lizard guys. Um, and the lizard guys suddenly grow wings and fly off with the punk rock president. <laughs> and it's like, what is going on? But, <laughs> yeah. but then hard cut back to the, yeah. to the Justice One. And we're having some facial issues. <laughs> well, yeah, the Justice One, Dread is running Lopez ragged. Um, trying to keep things picked up. Possibly, definitely, because of his mustache. <laughs> A hundred percent because of this really, really great-looking mustache. He's got a pretty full mustache, it's true. So the ship lands on the planet from the cold open. It's called Lesser Lingo, and they have a race of intelligent aliens, which are the lizard dudes, but they're all slaves and do most of the manual labor. And the other thing on this planet is that they use biochips, where when you die, your personality is downloaded into a microchip, which can then be implanted into another body, and these bodies are then rented out 
at a per hour basis so you can live on after you die as long as you can afford it. And a lot of people make money by renting out their body to the biochippers. Right, for like a few hours a day or something like that. Yeah, much more on biochips when we go rogue in about 64 progs. Ooh. Anyhow. What the hell? Don't worry about it. So there's no records of the Angel Gang arriving here, and it looks like a dead end um, as, like, the police chief heads off. As the police chief of this planet heads off to go arrest people in a blonde wig for biochip money. Uh, (laughs) Which is, like... Uh, you know, just some old dame basically likes using my body to like arrest people or whatever. So I just let her do it. And she was, and she had long hair when she was alive. So it just it it, it gives her some uh some uh verisimilitude when she takes over my body. <laughs> <laughs> Super weird. But um, so Dredd and Hershey are then asked to meet with the with the planet's vice president, who mostly lives in the body of a big bodybuilder guy. And he explains that the body of the uh, that the uh, that the biochip of the president was kidnapped, as seen in the cold open, and in exchange for bringing about the president's biochip, because like the punk rock guy body was sort of dropped a couple and uh, recovered a while ago. The vice president will tell them where to find Oracle Spice, which is said to give important knowledge to those who take it. And basically, they feel like Dred feels like they need it to be able to find the judge child because otherwise they can't just keep going from planet to planet just kind of seeing if anybody's seen them you know there's too many planets basically mind you while the vice president is telling him this he's doing just a bunch of exercises like yeah deadlifts and lifting it for whatever reason a 30 pound thing and then like one of those stretchy things he's like oh, and then he does some uh some jump roping yeah he's a big muscle man fit. you know it's got to it's got to keep his his fitness up and he's like i told that president to get a dope body like mine yeah. but he just wanted to be a man of the people well i guess also like part of the he, he gets a discounted rate on the body he's renting because he works out because he does he maintains the workout he does the working out for it basically it's ridiculous man. it's a weird planet dude um so dread and one of the alien cops are looking for the president's biochips um all these alien guys kind of look like uh like green fireys like those guys that pull their heads off in the, in the movie yeah. labyrinth right or skexies or skexies yeah they got a very sort of like evil jim henson workshop look to them mm. the uh the and the wild ones have wings that allow them to fly yeah those guys definitely look like the what did you call them? Reddies? Fireys? Fireys? That's just what they were called when I looked it up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, they're all green, but they definitely look like they could pull their heads off and switch them. Def- yeah, they're they're ready to sing a song. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, the wild aliens are putting together a war party to get their demands met for holding the president's biochip. They fly <laughs> out... <laughs> Yeah, they attack Dredd and the cop and Mass, leading to some awesome aerial shooting from Judge Dredd. He's shooting down aliens with like incendiary rounds and stuff. This would um, be really gory if they put in the blood because some really horrible things happen. They definitely. Guys. Yeah, man, he's like shooting incendiary rounds. They're like flying around on fire and stuff. It's awesome. <laughs> Dude, there's like skeletal remains of their wings as they like crash into the planet. It's mm-hmm. fucking weird. Yeah. Dread follows an alien down into their tunnels and confronts the alien leader who's basically like, Jesus Christ, Judge Dread, you just killed like all of our dudes, so I'll give you the chip. <laughs> Here, just go. Don't just kill the rest it. of us. 
They just and he kind of explains that they just wanted a chance to become immortal biochips as well. And although Dread's skeptical and thinks that these this old chip thing is really dumb, basically. He's like, yeah, I want to die one day. You guys are weird. Yeah, like immortal. That sounds that sounds terrible. Um, so with the president back in charge, he announces that he's no longer interested in the body of punk rock star Rocky Rock that he was previously renting. Now he wants to fly like one of the wild aliens and since he's president and he's going to live in a wild alien body that means that all aliens will now get equal rights so that's pretty cool i guess even get like i guess the only way you identify him as president by the way is that he just has a massive pendant that just says president on it hey i feel like that's a good way for any society <laughs> i guess dread doesn't care about this stuff though they're off to the hadian story to get some of that oracle spice which, I mean, I guess if you're going to do some drugs to make you see the future, might as well be Oracle Spice. That's right. <laughs> so this leads to like a quick Star Trek type, type story, I'd say. Or actually mm. like like a Dan Dare type story, I guess. <laughs> Cause, yeah, this is, this is fucking nightmare fuel. Yeah. On their way to the Hedean system, the Justice One encounters a planet that suddenly opens up like a huge like orange or something like that. Like if a bunch of you splayed out all the slices of an orange or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's full of tentacles, uh, and they all grab the ship and just pull it into this big beast's gullet, basically. It's, uh, it's this huge planet. It's got full of stars, full of just digested starships in its belly. And, like, the scale of the monster and all the inside action of it, full of wrecked ships and stuff, is really cool. Um, what would it have eaten before spaceships? Probably, like, yeah. other space animals, maybe? I mean, there's got to be other ones now, like, right? Yeah, like, like I'd, I'd bet that, like, the space animals just don't leave, like, big husks behind in its belly, you know? Mm. Um. So, you know, they deal with it pretty quickly. They just sort of, you know, you drop enough nukes in the thing's belly and do some other stuff. And the judge <laughs> continues on their way. They're now sort of chastened by, by the dangers of this crazy star system. Which leads to the Justice One landing on the planet Argos in the Hedean system where a huge war rages on TV. Um, it, yeah, it's like... It's like seven different or 12 different civilizations that are all there, yeah. and they're all just, like, really into murdering each other. Yeah, so much so that there's, like, a lottery, and they get to, like, basically choose weapons prior to them fighting, and some yeah. people just get screwed. Yeah, so this time, it's, um like, basically, like, American, like, army guys versus a bunch of, like, tech knights with, like, laser lances on, like, robot horses and stuff. And apparently, tech knights beat American people. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, as, like, this frog reporter interviews soldiers and calls the action, eventually they kick it out to some insane alien commercials for, like, furry awesome. liquid hand soap, Brax brand landmines, and uh, beast paste. <laughs> Which makes you eat dentists? No I more guess? dentists with beast paste. Yeah, 40% fewer dentists. It really works. <laughs> the Justice One lands and Dredd and Hershey ride out. They leave Lopez to fix the ship and think about keeping that mustache. The, dredge, the judges <laughs> soon find themselves on the edges of the battle and quickly get pulled in as the Techno Knights charge them with their Laz Lances and the judges return fire. What's going on on this crazy planet? Don't miss next prog. I gotta say, my favorite thing is 
Lopez's attitude giving much cause for concern. In my experience, too much attention to personal appearance often betrays a deeper character weakness. A judge should be clean, upright, and stern. No more. We are not in a beauty contest. I love how much Dredd is just straight up gaslighting Lopez about this mustache. (laughs) I, I almost want to say he just can't grow a beard, but we've seen him with one when he... He's had like a five o'clock shadow and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, he really doesn't like that mustache. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rip it off. But I love this traveling space stuff. Like you said, actually, yeah, it is very kind of Dan Dare-ish. Like the good part, the good version of Dan Dare. And um, I just love seeing all these guys, all these different situations for Dread to just kind of be implacable and stony-faced towards, basically. (laughs) He's just like... Yeah, we saw some apes. This isn't worth our time. Let's get out of here. Exactly. Episode 51. Progs 168 to 172. July and August 1980. Thrill 3. Judge Dredd. So, Script Robot is uh, John Wagner and Alan Grant, both writing as John Howard. Art Robot's Ron Smith, Nick McMahon, and Brian Bolland. And the lettering robot is Tom Frame. Tom Frame in the house. Tom Frame forever. Um, so as two alien races fight for fun and is t- and our TV broadcast to the alien planet of Argos, Dredd and Hershey have arrived and started gutting their way through a team of cyber knights before they realize what's happening. I got to say, I'm, I really like the frog people that are like televising this yeah, whole thing that do all the announcing and stuff it's funny because they yeah. all kind of they all kind of dress like reporters with like fedoras and trench coats and stuff just smoking little cigars and yeah. being adorable <laughs> so soon the halftime whistle blows and the war referees rule the judges neutral hazards that can't leave the <laughs> battlefield until the battle is over it's a very interesting thing to just have a sentient life form be called a neutral hazard in a war game. It's like when a, when an alligator crawls onto the golf course, you know, you keep playing. You just got to, like, <laughs> watch out watch out for the gator, you know? And oh if, it, if it lands in that gator's head, you're going to have to play it like it lies, buddy. That's sort of the, the, the challenge that you've accepted as a, uh, as, a golf, as a golfer, you know? The game of life or death golf. <laughs> exactly. So once their translators kick in... Uh, Dredd and Hershey are nonplussed, but mostly just kind of whatever to find out about this turn of events. <laughs> well, and that's after trying to get kissed by these weird orc people. Well, because they save the other the uh, the uh, the non the non tech knight team, so they're being so the uh, the other team's very being very ha- uh, friendly to them. And Hershey's like, "Yeah, I get these guys off of me." <laughs> <laughs> whatever weird yeah. well but she's not too worried about the weirdness because one of the reporters asked her like hey like you're from you're from earth like are you freaked out by all these aliens and she's like now nah, i expected there'd be weirdos on this trip <laughs> which is like it's really great or yeah. she's or she's turned out to be a real uh real card or she's fun dude so um <laughs> The uh, the side dread and Hershey have been helping out. The uh, Lurgans are for the second half of the war issued these sweet giant war wheels. Oh my god, they're the coolest things ever! Yeah. Well, the other side gets way less awesome tanks. The war wheels are just these big tubes that have like uh, Venetian blinds all around them, and the blinds like slap up and have guns that come out of one side, but the guns keep facing forward as the wheels on the end of each one of the tubes like spin and stuff. It's real cool. 
Well, because like the the ends of the giant tube itself is also shooting a giant laser. Everything it's just there's these big tubes that are covered in guns. I'm really in favor of it. It's the best kind of like log defense I've ever seen. Yeah, like uh, like I feel like Ron Smith isn't that good at drawing her. She kind of has some problems, sort of getting her hair right and stuff. Mm. But his, um, you know, this sort of like mass chaos stuff is really what we what we expect out of Ron Smith. You know, he's the guy who does all these like uh, big Mega City One being destroyed by various apocalypses and stuff. And he's really in his element and drawing this cra- these crazy huge battle scenes. I'm really into it. Yeah. So, Dredd's pretty tired of all this slaughter for fun. You know, we've seen him be anti-televised war before, like back on the moon and stuff. Mm. So, he decides to end things early. He grabs the Lurgan flag and takes off on his bike. Uh, the next prog goes pretty quick. Basically, just Dredd drives the Lurgan flag to the end zone as Hershey provides covering fire and various alien war announcers and, pug- and pundits argue about whether this is a legal action or not. Um, Dread ends the war prematurely and as a reward is told to find Oracle Spice on the nearby planet Necros. But ec- FYI, that's an evil, that's an evil old planet. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> what gave that shit away? Dread is not worried about it being evil and the judges head out as another battle brews on planet Argos. Of course. Hey, that's what you do. So. Mm-hmm. The Justice One approaches the planet Argos as we see a creepy dread voodoo doll full of pins. Uh, uh, it's really actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's neat. A huge cloud of vapor rises from the planet, turning into a gigantic evil frog wizard guy with big claws. Never a good thing when a planet does that. Mm-mm. It attacks the Justice One, cutting big holes in the ship with its fingernails. And then like monsters fly in and attack the crew as they land on the planet. Though when they land, the monsters disappear, and it's time to head out. Um, it's like weird what-the-hell illusion, not illusion shit. Exactly, yeah. Dread goes on his own um, and encounters the ancient city of Necros, where the townsfolk are currently sacrificing ten fat dudes, which are 40 days of feeding to the great Murd, Lord of Darkness. Which, I guess, is just a thing you do when you have an evil I like how they, keep, how they keep making a big deal that it's fat guys that they're sacrificing. <laughs> They really, like, it's <laughs> underscored a lot. Yeah. So, from Murd's giant pile of stones-like castle, we see these guys called the Watchers come forth, which are these awesome aliens. They've got these giant ice stalks coming out of their heads, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of skull imagery on their swords and armor, so you know they're bad guys. Um, oh, plus they can shoot giant lasers out of their mouths. Yes. So, Dread starts taking them down, and inside the castle, we see the evil Murd the Oppressor. And he's a greater demon. He's kept this planet in darkness for 10,000 years. He traps Dread in a big clear bubble. And then as he stabs the Dread voodoo doll with a pin, a watcher stabs Dread with his big old great sword. No! Oh my god. <laughs> Next prog, we see the fat guys being sentenced to hideous sack belly. The Lord of Toads and it's Merg's really greatest awesome. pet. Yeah, he's just a just a big old man eating toad. You're just gonna drop a guy down a cool, fun stone slide, and they're gonna slip down. A big old frog's gonna go like. 
I think it's good that you can have fun on the slide before you get eaten alive by a giant toad tongue. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, you want to you want to go out with a thrill, right? Yeah, exactly. So the sword is removed from Dread, and he comes back alive, seemingly unhurt. Dread demands the Oracle spice, and Murd just laughs. The spice comes from the war- from a wart on the hind quarters of hideous sack belly. But wart, but wart drugs. Always, yeah. He excretes one drop of Oracle spice per life he takes. And well, lives. Mm-hmm, the power of the spice has allowed both of both both uh, Sage Belly and uh, Murd to have uh, lived for thousands of years. I With- guess that's just what happens. With that said, Murd throws Dread into Sage into Sage Belly's maw. Dread still has his boot knife though, and he stabs the toad in the face, getting thrown <laughs> getting thrown free. And so he grabs a little wall spike and he's gonna stab him again. Yeah. With a final warning, Dread has his lawmaster bike fire flares, which illuminate the constant night and freak out Murd, and so distracted, <laughs> Dread knocks the necromancer into the toad pit, and Murd is eaten by his own monster. He looks like uh he kinda looks like a Muppet in the shot. He's definitely got a very kind of like mu- like frog Muppet kind of look, basically. <laughs> um so, Dread snags the Oracle Spice and destroys the pedestal used to make it, as the Ghost of Murd explains that only a wizard with 10,000 years of experience can use the Oracle Spice, and even then it's dangerous. So, of course, who else would you use it on but a well, wizard with 10,000 years of experience? Hold on, hold on, because Dread heads out and he notices that Sage Val- that hideous Sage Valley has died after eating Murd. Must have been something he ate. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyhow, smash cut to an alien world where all the buildings are shaped like random stuff, like a like a shoe or a bunch of coffee cups or other things like that. Yeah, like roads that lead to nowhere and people yeah. doing shit that doesn't make sense. On this planet, an Earthman has come down with jigsaw disease. And it's horrible. Jigsaw disease is pretty terrible, dude. Basically, random shapes disappear out of your body, but your body still retains all of its, like, form and ability and stuff. So, like, in this case, like, for this guy, there's a huge, like, fist-sized, like, perfectly square hole going right through his stomach or, like, a triangle missing from a corner of his head and stuff. It's not like he's had a hole driven through him or anything like that. It's just, like, um... He just has it missing. Similarly, like, there's just, like, a disc of his, like, left leg that's just gone completely, but the rest of his leg is still basically attached to the rest of his body and stuff like that. So, like, you know. like really horrific. Yeah, it's like the palm of your hand can disappear, but you'll still be able to use your fingers. They'll just be, like, floating there where they would normally be. It's it's crazy. So, the disease is sadly fatal. Meanwhile, on the Justice One, we've got the Oracle Spice. Taking it will likely kill the user. Lopez, you're up. No, it's not because of your mustache. (laughs) He's really... (laughs) That was my favorite part of this. Why me? It's because of my mustache, isn't it? Get down there. (laughs) So like, no, your personal... Your personality profile shows you to be the most unstable member of this crew. <laughs> Obviously the mustache. So, uh, <laughs> amazing. So Lopez is strapped down. He's given a drop of the Oracle spice. He starts tripping out immediately. Oh my God. We see like Murd and Sage Belly and a crazy mustache frog and all kinds of other stuff. 
weird. Finally, Lopez gives his prophecy. Bedlam, bedlam, but hurry. All the king's horses can't put Humpty together again. Lopez goes into a coma, and Dredd puts a search in and finds the planet AB, a strange abnormal planet. (laughs) So... Lopez is in a coma, fading away as they arrive, and Dredd heads out. The authorities say another human, a guy named Prosser, arrived a few weeks ago, and we soon learn that he's the guy that contracted the jigsaw disease. And he's now missing even more parts yeah, of his body. He's freaking out about it, and he's st- really starting to lose pieces real quickly. He finds a jar of jigsaw pills in the sick bay. He assumes they're a cure that the aliens have been holding out on him on. He grabs them and runs. But... Dread arrives, and um, the aliens reveal that, in fact, those pills are like a mercy drug that accelerate the jigsaw process to allow for, like, a quick death, basically. It's, uh, it's not looking great. Basically, Dread has to find Prosser in the next hour, or Prosser will fade away completely. Next episode, Prosser, The Puzzle, and Paw Angel. Oh, man. We're coming to a head here. It's really getting things are real get, getting real heavy in um, this quest for the Judge Child, dude, for sure. I like I really liked this whole run for Judge Dredd. It was super bizarre. Yeah, man. There's just all this alien stuff, then a necromancer, and just um, <laughs> the combination of the Oracle Spice and this dude with jigsaw with a jigsaw disease. Like, it's funny because we get the three big. Um, Dread artists of this era, you know, uh, Bolland, McMahon, and, um, and Ron Smith, and all of them sort of do really good, like, really kind of play to their strengths in each, in each comic with, you know, Ron Smith doing these big crowd scenes, Mick McMahon doing these crazy monsters and, like, uh, built up, um, like, like, like built up edifices and other kind of crazy technical things. And then Brian Ballin kind of sweeping in with like combining re- like his really realistic style with just, um, crazy ass surreal stuff that really kind yeah, of combines man. for a really great, like, like this is th- this, this sort of set of progs really great example of these sort of two of these Judge Dredd artists, I think. Well, and any time that you like have a necromancer in a comic book. I'm pretty excited to be perfectly <laughs> frank. Definitely. It happens more often than you'd think in 2000 AD, to be honest. Which is why it's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Episode 52, Progs 173 to 177, August and September 1980. Thrill 3, Judge Dread. I would have also accepted, whoa, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, script robot for this Month of Judge Dredd is John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as John Howard. The art robots are Brian Bolland and Ron Smith. Lettering robots, Tom Frame. Tom Frame? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Dredd rides his lawmaster through the cupcake houses and tightrope walking citizens of the planet of Bedlam on the hunt for spaceship pilot Prosser, who is rapidly disappearing by taking mercy drugs that speed up his jigsaw disease. I think it's real horrific, man. Yeah, dude. It's it really reminds me of um did you see the movie Looper? Yes. Like like there's that part in Looper where that guy's running, but like they're cutting parts off of his, off of, of like his past self. Yeah. So, so oh. but there's real similar beats in here where like Prosser is like he like 
falls off the side of something and he's holding on by his fingers, but then his fingers disappear. And so he like just falls and stuff. It's real crazy. Oh, it's real. Gross. This whole part's real disturbing. Um, Dread fi- finally sees him um, running and sort of catches up with him. By the time Dread catches him, Prosser's basically just like an eye, a mouth, a piece of head, and like a thumb, just lying in like a pool of his clothes, basically. Ugh. Prosser tells his story to Dread. He's he was a spaceship pilot. The Angel Gang hijacked his ship, made a deal with him, and then Junior Angel killed everybody aboard because Junior Angel is like the worst human um, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like begging his father. Yeah, and he's like, "How could a father say no?" Because he just whinily begs to murder huge swaths of people. <laughs> like that's his move. And then laughs about them exploding. Oh yes, the airlock. <laughs> so uh, aboard the ship, Prosser got his future read by the Judge Child, who said he'd be dead soon. And because of that, the angels just marooned him in, a, in an escape pod, causing him to land on Bedlam and get Jigsaw disease. So. Just kind of like with with a, that Pharaoh guy, though, this is a death that was basically set in motion by Owen Chrysler's predictions, which gives us an interesting perspective on what's up with this Judge Child. Yeah, especially over the next couple issues. Mm-hmm. Still, we learn that the angels are headed out to the planet Xanadu. Back on the ship, Lopez has died, and Hershey isn't pleased about it, but Dredd knows that some sacrifices have to be made for the law. That's why you shave off your mustache. So, <laughs> Yeah, what the hell, man? But also, I like, bro sticking to his guns in a super awkward situation and mm-hmm. then just writes it off as, hey, she's got to get used to people dying. I mean, Dredd's super tough and sort of put, puts it down to Hershey being a rookie for why she is sort of freaked out by it. Um, yeah. Really, I think something that's really interesting to see, we've seen it a little bit, but we're really going to see it as we finish up The Judge Child, is just how grim and, like, um, violent Dread starts to get as this story goes on. Really? Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe not this next two stories, but we'll start to see it sort of once they get to Xanadu, I guess. Um, the Justice One, so next up, the Justice One picks up a a passenger from a refuge station, uh, planted- God, like a hairy plant with a fucking tarantula, like hair. And, yeah. uh, it's Rimble Limpop Quits, a traveling space salesman. Yeah, I'd say he looks like that, or like a um, he looks like a tiki mask that's been carved out of like a pineapple. That's what I. That's my best um dis- description mean, of him for me. He's yeah, weird looking. He's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of arms. He's kind of disturbing. Me the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. As much. Yeah. As good. Like. Oh, I, actually, no, I want to say that at the end. Anyhow, um, so he's got tiny suitcases that unfold to contain billions of different things, many of them sort of miniaturized, including different alien species and stuff. Dread isn't interested in souvenirs and tells Quince to can it. A few hours later, <laughs> Quince is on the prowl because he's either selling something on this ship or he's taken something to sell and he's decided to take the judges. He, Which, not a great idea, man. No, this is a mistake. He throws tiny white globes, which miniaturize and knock out uh, Judge Hershey, Dredd, and Larder. Dredd awakens to find himself and the other two judges in a box with crushed paper as a, uh, a three-pack of Mega City judges for 40 galactic groats. <sighs> kind of cheap, if you ask me, but you know, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what are you going to do? Anyhow, this guy's a jerk. Dread awakens the other judges, and it's time for some tiny justice. 
So Quince argues with the Justice One robots to land the ship on a planet as the tiny judges make their way through Quince's bag, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids style. <laughs> um, Dredd, <laughs> hey. Yeah, it's true. Dredd finally makes it to his bike and he starts shooting up the place as both tiny judges and robots now attack the salesman. Well, and the robots were, like, not taking any shit. They're like, yeah, you're not a judge. We're not going to listen to you, dude. Yeah, like, like the judges don't just... Di- yeah, ju- judges don't just disappear from the ship, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're robots, not fucking humans. We're not goddamn stupid. Yeah, we're not, we're not dumb bots, you know? Yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Dread manages to miniaturize Quince and knock him out, and as the various monsters and stuff in Quince's case start to wake up and go crazy, Dread finds a globe that enables him to return to normal size and quickly end any trouble. Dude, they shoot him in the eyes with tiny little lasers. It's, it's cool. It's, well, like, yeah, man, you know, again, like, these are, the, all these judges are, like, full-on killing machines. Like, the fact that they're tiny isn't going to change the fact that they've got bullets that fire high explosives, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Quince is oh, put God. in like um a form fitting like case thing and put back or uh, a, a, a container and is returned to his case to be prosecuted later. It's basically this case is just a a a, a bunch of like one of my Warhammer 40k case, uh uh figure cases, figure boxes yeah. but full of okay. like living beings. So anyhow, welcome to the planet Xanadu. It's lawless. All the uh, criminals on the run and stuff end up here. And it's where the Angel Gang is rolling from town to town, killing and robbing and being general jerks. It's kind of not so lawless. Like, you'd think that people would be pretty alright with all this shit with the Angel Gang, but everyone's like, oh, we're trying to, like, have us a hotel and drive us a station or a coach whatever yeah and they're just like fucking it all up yeah they're just like like they're taking turns like all right mean mean angel you just take over the town this time mean goes up to three on his head dial and starts headbutting everything he sees it's pretty great they yeah. kill dudes with uh with a porch definitely yeah he takes down porches he takes down uh stage coaches whatever pretty great yeah the gang rolls into a local hotel takes the presidential suite kicking out the former occupant they gun down the sheriff as the judge child speaks prophesizing death is coming for them death in black meanwhile judge dread is having dreams of the judge child and dread's starting to seem worried about the morality of this kid um i mean i would be too where he's just like hey uh so like even i don't know the full extent of my powers but you know I saw possible futures and chose one, so they deserve to die. Uh, I think this is also where he starts saying that he can't see his own future, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, he yeah. says that he can't see his own. But so uh, Owen insists that Dredd come save him, and the final act of the Judge Child saga has begun. The- uh, with a money parade. Uh, <laughs> this part was so awesome. Yeah, the Justice One arrives on, on Xanadu, and Dredd dumps a bag of money on all the people, saying he's Make got... Yeah, he makes it literally rain on the people. He says he's got two more bags of this of money for anybody who has information about the location of the Angel Gang. Why? Zan- because this is just criminals will just turn each other and. I mean, they want they're they're criminals because they want money, dude. <laughs> Xanadu's a planet of crooks, and their greed will betray them soon enough. Except for weird gorillas. Especially weird gorillas, dude. We, the last frog, a Scottish ape man, tries to ambush Dread for the reward money. But it's no good because Dread just kills all the apes and his, kills the ape and all of his buddies. 
And this is where we start seeing Dredd getting super violent. There's been times where he wouldn't have just gunned these dudes down, but he definitely does here. Yep. Um, a- as Dredd just sort of walks back into the street and says to the Undertaker, who seems to just be following Dredd around at this point, he just says, like, there's three more in the alley there. <laughs> um, in the nearby town of Drybone, the Angels have set up their own court, and they're basically just hanging people for fun before they move on to the next town to do the same thing, as the Judge Child continues to gloat over their fate. Which, all right. Yeah, at the same time, Dredd finds a blind man with a blind horse. Oh. This is so awesome. Yeah, this is so this is so dread. It's so cool, dude. He's just both the horse and the dude have their faces wrapped up in bandages. Basically, (laughs) this guy is a blind old Joe. He met the angels back when he was just old Joe. (laughs) The angel gang put out his eyes, and now he's out. He's bent on revenge. He can sense the angels and will lead dread right to him. He'll be his gun. Dude, he senses them by hate. Hate yeah, in his eyes. It's awesome. Oh my god. The judge child tells this to the angels and they decide to split up. The older angel kids, Link and Mean Machine, will stay behind to cover their escape. As Pa, Jr. and Chrysler, the uh, judge child, head out. Next next time, Fallen Angels. Alright. Well, Damn. Lots of uh, lots of awesome weird shit happening in Judge Dredd again. Things are super duper coming to a head as sort of we leave the episodic space travel part of our adventure and go to the showdown between Dredd and the Angel Gang section of our uh, of this story. Gee, I wonder how this will end. I think it will end awesomely. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it was a pretty damn good showing. Yeah. I, I will say, hate is my eyes. It's possibly one of my favorite. Uh, lines out of this comic so far. Use my eyes, you'll be my gun. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Episode 55. Progs 178 to 179. September 1980. Thrill 3. Judge Dredd. I love Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, he's a 21st... No, I guess he's a a 22nd century future cop. Combine two-thirds of the Stallone movie with, like, one-third of the Carl Urban movie, and then cook it with that with the Anthrax Judge Dredd song. Truth and justice are what he's fighting for. Judge Dredd the man, he is the law. Dude. Fear the badge, he earned it. Or, no, sorry. Respect the badge, he earned it with his blood. Fear the gun, your sentence might be death because I am the law. Anyhow. Dude, um, awesome. <laughs> so, Judge Dredd, man, his uniform doesn't make a lot of sense. He never takes off his helmet. <laughs> Currently, he's traveling, he's traveling the galaxy to save the psychic, the powerful psychic known as the Judge Child from the evil Angel Gang, who were those, um, country, or who, who were those southern accent ca- cannibals in the first Judge Dredd movie. It's um, fucking weird. Yeah, it's good, man. The big showdown starts now. So a bunch of villagers in this town, what they, what the angel gang went into, were like, "Hey, if we don't kill you, they're gonna kill us. So we're gonna have to kill you now." Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say that uh, the uh, script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wagner, writing as John Howard. Art robots are Mick McMahon and Ron Smith. Lettering robots Tom Frame. Tom Frame. Tom Frame. Tom Frame, long running in 2080, and especially Judge Dredd letterer. Um, sort of starts in Prague 4, ends around Prague 1500. Uh, 
He's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, so like Fox was saying, in the town of Drybone on the planet Xanadu, which is not unlike the planet Laredo that we saw in Strontium Dog, basically just another small western town. Yeah, bunch of thugs, human and otherwise, have been sent by the Angel Gang to take down Dread. This is a mistake on their part. <laughs> oh. Dude. I'm the one you should be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Dread takes them all down hand to hand because he's just a dude beaten machine after 15 years in the academy. Oh man, I loved that. Uh, those little pieces, you know, it's just, just a like big... 15 years of iron discipline, rigid self control, concentrated aggression. <laughs> you can't mess with them. He takes them all out as a Link and Mean Machine Angel look on. They know it's time to run, uh-huh. and but first assassinate Judge Dredge. They activate Plan B. They put on lady, lady clothes and sneak up on the lawman. Dude, but not before putting a hanger in like the clothing store man's mouth and hanging him on the rack. It's they're so evil. It's really the most <laughs> horrible thing ever. It's yeah, because they do it all nonchalantly too. They don't even talk about it. Like if you didn't, if you don't look at the pictures, you never pick up on the fact that they just tortured this dude and left him hanging from. A big clothes hanger in his mouth, basically. It's disgusting. It's so bad. <laughs> this is a good time to mention that Judge Shred's being led by a uh, dude named Old Joe who was blinded no. along with his horse. No, by his, the his, name's, his name is Old Blind Joe. It used to just be Old Joe, and then he was blinded by the Angel Gang. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and now he is powered purely by hate and can just sense when the angel gang's yeah. around. Even though his head's completely wrapped in bandages, he can still sense the angel gang coming as he does now, even though they're dressed like ladies. They're right there. Judge Dredd, look out. Pew-pew. Judge Dredd opens fire. He blows off Mean Machine's human left arm. Now he all, all he has is his giant robot claw right arm. Not too much of a problem, really. Mean Machine's going to be without left arm, basically, for the rest of Judge Dredd now, until this day. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, but that's a spoiler. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That's um, all right. Anyhow, um, the uh, the angels run, and Dredd gives chase. He quickly gets separated from old blind Joe, who is in turn attacked by Link. Meanwhile, Mean Machine box Dredd with a mighty headbutt. Dredd goes flying into the same uh, barn where like Link is attacking uh, Old Blind Joe. And then Mean comes in. He's like in the, mo- like in the Stallone movie. He's got a dial on his forehead that goes up, that starts at one and goes up to four in terms of level of aggression and um, insanity, basically. And this time he goes all the way to four. Oh, snap. But yeah. Joe's got this covered. It's bad and it gets even worse when Dredd hits him in the forehead with a chain, putting Mean on four and a half. Whoa. This turns Mean Machine Angel into an uncontrolling headbutt machine. He headbutts his own brother to death and runs around town killing just random folks, headbutting. Finally, he headbutts a gas pump at a gas station, causing a massive explosion. It's pretty awesome. He, like, it's just, he's zipping around, smashing everything with his forehead. That's the sound of headbutts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two angels down, two to go. Mount back up, old blind Joe. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Pa and Junior Angel, the remaining two members of the Angel Gang, along with the judge child, Owen Chrysler, are driving a sweet dune buggy into the land (laughs) of the fugitive robots ruled by the Grunwalder. I'm so excited. They come under attack from Robo Mosquitoes while, um, and eventually the Grunwalder has one of those mosquitoes turn into a telephone. 
that, yeah. and then they use it to communicate with the angels. Just be like, what are you doing here, guys? Yeah. Basically, they say, hey, we want a sanctuary, and to get it, we'll give you this awesome kid with a eagle birthmark on his forehead that can tell the future inerrantly. Yeah. Grunwald's pretty interested by this. He's like, all right, let's see if this is for real. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not going to call off my robots. Yeah. I would say he's skeptical because he's like, yeah, come on through, but you're going to have to fight your way through to do it. <laughs> yeah. We'll welcome you at the door. You just got to get there. Exactly. Yeah. The, the robots, the angels have to fight on their way there include a bunch of hairy robots covered in yeah, the scalps the of humans. Oh, my taken. God. Yeah. You got to think about it. Um Oh my god. Dread also enters the realm of the Grunwalder, immediately grabs a mosquito and like talks on the phone to the ro- to the robot leader. He demands safe passage because he serves the law and the Grunwalder agrees cuz he also takes the measure of Dread knows that he'd like lose way too many dudes trying to stop Dread basically. But not just that, it's like they make a comment they're like, "Damn, he sounds like a fucking robot." Yeah, not too dissimilar from us. Yeah. Ooh. Um Oh, man. So the angels make camp as the judge child goes into a trance and then prophesizes the death of both of them. After uh, mentioning, of course, that the other two are dead, mm-hmm. being a total dick as usual. This kid is a jerk. Junior Angel attacks the judge child for his jerk prophecy while Dread puts together <laughs> a massive sniper rifle. Which is, it's really, really long. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, it's like more tall than he is it's, it's really just weird. called the long gun Ugh. paw angel gets junior calmed down and then is shot in the chest by dread from 12 kilometers out oh my god paul next episode and then there was one and then the end now also next episode the judge child saga will conclude oh what really yep oh man gear up buddy that's awesome yeah this was like such a cliffhanger, dude. Totally. Yeah. It's uh what's gonna happen with Paul getting shot? Like, what's gonna happen with Dredd and the Judge Child? This Judge Child seems like a real jerk, man. I don't want him to be chief judge of Mega City One like he's supposed to be. Like some truth telling truth telling like jerk kid. No way. He manipulates the future and he said as much in the past. Yeah. Like he yeah, he definitely in previous episodes we've seen him cause people to die by prophesizing their death basically mm-hmm. which you know creating self-fulfilling prophecies and stuff which aren't really again what you're looking like this kid's been prophesized that he'll be the chief judge of mega city one when a big thing occurs 18 years from now um and so mm-hmm. you know it's a questionable thing it's something you got to think about you know yeah, I am not the biggest fan of this kid. When he was like the silent kind of one, it sort of was more... Yeah, I mean, but then he was just a cipher. Like, you didn't even know what he was. He was just like a pawn. And now we're starting to get to see him at all. And it's like, I, and you, you just don't like what you see, you know? No, uh, exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Episode 56. Progs 180 to 183. October 1980. Thrill 3. Judge Dredd. And holy crap. How do you start a Judge Dredd? I guess just by cool-ass volcanoes exploding near an awesome techno tower. That's right. So a uh, script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as John Howard. Then, um, and then Alan Grant and Kelvin Gosnell writing as Alvin Gaunt. Uh, 
Art robots are Ron Smith, Brian Ballin, and Mick McMahon. Letter robot, a Tom Frame. Tom Frame power. So, we we start with learning about the Grunwalder, who is a crazy robot emperor. He's ruling from a castle surrounded by molten lava. And he looks super sweet because he's like golden armor and got like a cool cape. Definitely Ron Smith drawing him as complicated as possible in a very cool way. (laughs) The Angel's dune buggy can no longer continue in the heat. And Paw Angel, who is injured by Dredd's bullet last episode, will continue to the Grunwalder's Citadel while Junior stays behind to take out Dredd as he's the baddest of the Angels and thus the baddest man that ever lived. They have uh, him and Paw have like a heart-to-heart where he's just like, you've always been... The insane, murdering, horrible child that I've tried to raise as an insane, horrible, murdering child my whole life. You really make me proud, son. He's like, I'm the best. I'm going to murder them all, all of them, everybody. Pie Angel has a surprisingly good relationship with his sons. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, clearly a good father if they, I mean, just if you have sociopaths for sons yeah i mean you know yeah if you want they're definitely the best raised family of murderers you could have ever hoped for <laughs> yeah they definitely eat dinner together and murder yeah, together definitely <laughs> so um dread drops off old joe blind and continues on foot but as he does junior sneaks up from behind and finishes old joe blind off he comes from out of the ground where he had an oxygen pill on his tongue so he yeah. could breathe underground and it's, then just, like, fucking murders Joe. Yeah, both both that th- he could travel underground and they wouldn't show up on any senses or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So, it's time for a Dread Jr. showdown. They fight along the, the lava-covered vistas along Grunwalder's castle, finally showing down on a rock bridge leading into the Citadel. They have a showdown. Make your play. Junior's fast, uh, but dread. It's a little like, oh, it's a little like Star Wars Episode Three. I'd say it's imagine. more sort of old westy, although the lava does sort of, I guess, give it sort of having the high ground kind of I stuff. I mean, they're not like flying around on fucking like things and no. sailing on like little rock. Yeah, islands, it's much more but... lo-fi version of it. <laughs> yeah. So. They show down. Junior's fast, but Dread is faster. He shoots Junior in the chest and then picks him up over his head and throws Junior into the lava as Paw Angel looks on. Even yeah. if you're Hell's own angel, the sentence is death. Dude, it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Just throws him right in. Just throws him right in there, dude. It's crazy. Hell's angel. Junior Angel falls into the lava, and Pa runs out to avenge him, guns blazing. The kind of as how the Judge Child predicted. It's absolutely. It would be terrible. Yeah, the Judge Child waits before going into the Grunwalder Citadel to see Pa killed as well, though he actually uses his psychic powers to shield Pa from Dredd's bullets, and instead Owen Chrysler himself breaks the ledge Pa is holding on to, causing him to fall into the lava. The Judge Child has essentially killed Pa himself and laughs evilly over it. Kind of, uh, kind of bastardizing you there, buddy. Mm. The, um, Dredd fights his way into the Grunwalder's palace and confronts Owen. Dredd looks into the eyes of the Judge Child and sees only evil. The Judge Child isn't fit to rule Mega City 1. And Dread leaves him a prisoner of the Grun of the Grunwalder. 
which, you know, the kid's not super happy about. He's like, wait, 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 fuck, no! Yeah, the Justice One heads home empty-handed. Better Mega City One should be destroyed than ruled by an evil psychic. So ends the Judge Child Saga. Mind you, he's got a little bit of scrutiny from the last two people on the team. And, like, he's got some credibility the last time a dictator showed up. It wasn't super great. Yeah, de- I feel, yeah, definitely his actions with the, um, with Judge Cow gives him some credence. But counterpoint, like, you know, Hershey was close to Lopez and she's got to feel bummed that, like, yeah. they have nothing to show for Lopez's death. And, like, just in general, they spent a lot of time and treasure going after this judge child and to come back without a kid. Well, you know, we'll talk about it in this thrill right here, actually. Um, <laughs> Dredd is back in Mega City 1! Oh my god, it's time to go back to work. Yeah, he should be at his debrief for the judge child, but instead, he and our old pal Judge Giant roll oh, out yeah. to deal with a block war! Which, uh, is awesome. In the Grand Hall of Justice, we see the Council of Five debating Dredd's actions. Before non-Chief Justice seems to be against him, especially Judge Hilda By God Magruder of the SJS. Yeah, she's uh, she's straight up like this guy deliberately effed up. Everyone seems to be pretty against him. Yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, the uh, the Rita Tushingham and Ernest Borgnine blocks are at full-scale uh, block war. Uh, Fox, Rita Tushingham was an English actress, probably best known for a couple roles she had in the 60s. She was in like the uh, version of, Do- of Dr. Juvago and stuff like that. Ernest Borgnine, of course, is from Airwolf. But... <laughs> <laughs> best known for his contributions to Airwolf. <laughs> That's right. Gunfire erupts up and down the sides of each one of these buildings. His two skyscrapers Gosh. next to each other. And the whole buildings are shooting at each other as, like, guys swing from one building to another to fight people and stuff. Falling out to their death. It's explosion. super awesome. Dr- so, hey, how do you deal with that as a judge? You just get like 20 judges together and you have all of them fire straight up in between the buildings. Yeah, people start uh, quitting pretty fast. This this quells the fighting as the council is in the midst of deciding, they seem to be deciding to send another mission to recover the judge child from the Grunwalder, which would be second-guessing ju- uh, Dredd's actions and probably force him to resign his post. Which, uh, you know, seems kind of odd for a dude who has pretty much, like, time and time again saved the city in different ways. Or I mean, them second-guessing him, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, as this happens, Dredd orders everyone involved in the block war to turn themselves in. If you do it now, you'll get five years. If you wait more than ten minutes, it's ten years. Yeah, not great. Just go with the five-year sentence, guys. Definitely. And at this point, back at the council, Judge Griffin basically reminds him what you've been saying this whole time, is that Dredd's basically the best judge ever, um, especially as it relates to him identifying and fighting tyrants against Judge Cal. He was basically one of the only guys that identified Cal as a bad guy and then was instrumental in defeating him, like the guy that basically led to his defeat, you know? And so what does he do? He's like, hey, I don't do this often, veto. Yeah, he vetoes the thing. We just basically, so, and then, so basically as uh, um, hundreds of citizens (laughs) turn themselves in, like, stream out of the building with their hands up, turning themselves in, um, we basically decide that uh, Judge Dredd can be trusted in his judgment and that his word has extreme power, which I think is cool. Yep. 
Yeah, all's well that ends well? Sure. Maybe. <laughs> Which takes us to the Agrodome! Oh to- my god, this thing is... <laughs> Not to be confused with the Agrocrack, from the Agrocrag from 90s game show on Nickelodeon, but whatever. Yep, that's exactly correct. It's a... Pl- <laughs> I forget you had to, like, climb up a dumb thing. Yeah, it was just a, a physical challenge kids game show. But mm. the, the uh, Agrodome is a place for citizens to blow off steam by destroying stuff. Dread doesn't like it. Yeah, because he's just like, this is going to not end well. And hey, he's usually right. It's true. Yeah, the, there's a dateline for this story, which is 2120, which is like huh. s- 17 years from what time should be, because it should be 2103. Oh, because we started in, you know, 2099, that's been four years. I'm not sure if, if, like, this was something to remove this story from the Council of Five stuff, or if it's just uh, a typo. I'm assuming it's just a typo, honestly. Fair. People are angry, and the Dome is letting them work that anger off, until one guy has more anger than his time alive with the robot he's beating up, and so he starts beating <laughs> up people instead. Yeah, that doesn't really go well when you do it in front of a judge. Mm. Well, definitely, especially because the whole place now devolves into a huge riot with which dread que- which dread manages to quell with a combination of determination, be- beating people up, and blowing up the actual dome. This is the second story in a row that ends with dread leading a massive procession of citizens to the cubes. <laughs> Hey man, he has not been here for a little while, and he needs to make up for lost time. Also, just a message to everybody: if you're so angry all the time that you actually need to like kick the shit out of things to feel better, it's time to talk to somebody about your anger issues. I'm just trying to yeah, say, yeah, it's called a therapist. <laughs> or, you know, if you're a little bit more new age. There's life coaches. There's tons of ways to like let off steam. Go run, yeah. or like I don't know, smoke yeah. a cigarette or something. Do something. Don't just yeah. beat up a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, Plus, it would hurt. I mean, it's a robot. Don't punch a robot. Yeah, you know. Episode 57. Progs 184 to 188. November 1980. Thrill 3. Judge Dredd. So, script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as T.B. Grover. The art robots Mick McMahon Ron, uh, and Ron Smith lettering robot is a Tom Frame. Tom no one goes in, no one goes out. The Charles Darwin block has gone ape. Get it? Because this one's about apes, kind of. That's right. Professor F. Norco- Northcote Frib has created an enzyme that will reverse the process of evolution. But then he drops it. He's both He both devolves into a monkey man, and now the enzyme is in the air ducks of the Charles Darwin block and it's devolving the whole block. Ah, it's like that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that called Genesis, the one where everybody starts turning yep. into monkey dudes and and yeah. uh, and like Ape Riker tries to eat that fish in the Enterprise uh, conference room and stuff. That's a good episode. Anyhow. This is why you don't create airborne enzymes, I it, guess. It's true. Um, also, this enzyme smells like spaghetti sauce, just as sort of Which a secondary sauce? joke. Spaghetti's yum yum. It's true. Dread arrives to find the block cordoned off by judges. Several judges have tried to enter the building and gone ape already. Dread, <laughs> Dread puts on his respirator and heads in as one of the monkey citizens causes a huge explosion in the block's boilers. Which is like, I mean, it's like 
I mean, I know you said huge, but it blows like it, a massive hole. Yeah, it just sort of opens up the front of the block, essentially. It's crazy. It's so awesome. Like, it's the best. I love this uh, set of, um, like, colored pages. Yeah. Like, the giant orange explosion with the green Judge Dredd and uh, it's very cool. looking judges. It's yeah. Super cool. Dredd dodges the explosion and confirms that the respirators are working correctly, so he calls in the rest of the judges to clear the block up. They have to fight back against ape citizens that are either really silly or expressing their human nature in ape form, like a gangster ape that's charging banana tolls to move through the hallways. Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, Dread goes after Professor Frib, and as he gets close, as he gets deeper into the block, he finds that people are more and more devolved. A family of acrobats, the Flying Gundersons, has turned into murderous lizard people. And when Dread well, finally finds Frib, the professor is just a big old pile of goo. And I guess eyes. Yeah, well, you know, he's got some stuff, but yeah, mostly goo. The the yeah. ape citizens are rounded up and taken to safety to hopefully someday be revolved. The Charles Darwin block is burned to the ground, and Goo Professor Frib is arrested. Which put that amoeba in irons. <laughs> he's just like in a pot, and they're just carrying him along. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. This is this is a fun action-packed Mick McMahon like quick story. Just ape dudes mm-hmm. going around going crazy. Hey Fox, what's up, man? Get ugly. Oh me. During the Judge Child quest, a new name in super liminal advertising has arrived. None other than the ugliest man in Mega City One, Otto Sump. And his interactive billboards are kind of cool. Yeah, well, you know, in The Simpsons, they talked about how there was subliminal advertising, regular advertising, and superliminal advertising. <laughs> superliminal advertising is just shouting, hey, you, at somebody, and then saying what they should do. <laughs> like, hey, you, join the Navy. So, <laughs> after making 60 million credits from the show Sob Story, see episode 39, Otto Sump has opened a beauty clinic, so no one else would know the shame of being ugly. But he insists on working on people himself and always turns them into crazy, hideous monsters. It's bad. It's pretty confirmed. It's Ron Smith really goes overboard in making these ugly people be real, super gross, ugly. <laughs> like man. Um, but it turns out that everyone in Mega City One is tired of being like generic, beautiful future people because it's real easy to be beautiful if you go to a regular um, like face change shop. They'd rather be uniquely ugly. It's like that Tolstoy quote about unhappy families being unhappy in their own way. Suddenly, all of Mega City One is getting ugly. Yeah, man, it's like all the fashion, including pills that just make you disgusting, like yeah. fuck scum, roll on deodorant. <laughs> yeah, all throughout the all these Judge Dredd stories, there are these like commercials for ugly stuff, like dandruff shampoo. But all is not well as masked man as masked men bar- barge into an ugly clinic and start tossing bombs. Dredd is first on the scene of the wreckage as more reports of attack on some clinics come in. Someone is trying to put Otto Sump out of business and using pretty ugly methods. Ah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm elbowing you now, Fox. You, you can't yeah, tell. It's good. <laughs> I liked it. After they show a nine step process of how to get ugly the auto sump way, holy Which crap. It's a lot of work. And it's pretty gross. Like, super duper gross. We see yeah. Dread interviewing Sump himself. 
the clinic owner, is a huge Dread fan, crediting him as a co-founder of his business because he got Sump on Sob Story in the first place. Dread is not pleased. There's no using judges for commercial ventures. Yeah, what the hell, man? I'm going to shoot your big face of me. Yeah, your big shrine to me and your store. Dread does learn that Sump has received extortion notes, uh, but hasn't told anybody because he just assumed that the judges knew all this stuff anyway because they read all of our mail, so why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but as, as he reveals this, the masked men strike the very ugly clinic that Dread and Sump are in. Oh my god, the whole place is a massacre. Yeah. They escape, and Dread gives chase as um, as Jean asks for advice from her friend Mary. Cause and and <laughs> Mary tells her that any girl can be pretty these days. You gotta be ugly to stand out. Um, Come on. Dread takes out the masked men and identifies them as members of the Mantis Syndicate, who are apparently now trying to run a, protect- a protection racket on the ugly clinics. The goons are dead, but no one has to know that. That night, the news reports that the goons are alive and talking to the judges. So the Mantis brothers, who are quite ugly in their own right, decide to lead a hit on the goons in the Marcus Welby Casualty Ward, which is another is where things get TV reference. Yeah. <laughs> They break in, they find the goons DOA, but a very alive Judge Dredd is waiting for them. A gunfight breaks out, which activates a robo-surgeon who's just got like 20 arms, each one full of scalpels, a, a Hammerstein face, and it just starts going berserk and attacking everybody. Yep, it's time to get all uh, Mr. Feely good on some people. Oh my gosh. There's also another round of ads here that just looks straight up like just regular comic book ads which is hilarious. There's like I love it. there's stick on ears just a guy with an ear on his forehead there's foot odor makers and pill and like a, a Charles Atlas like you know 90 pound <laughs> weakling um, ad but it's to become like a 350 pound just sack of flab on the beach. <laughs> Super great. <laughs> Anyhow, the uh, the medical droid and the mantises both run amok through this hospital. Dread ends up taking them both <laughs> out, but not before one of the mantis brothers is basically just cut into sh- into sashimi by the robo surgeon in a pretty yeah. horrifying uh, set of panels. Honestly, it's also- half of a robot just like murdering this guy with yeah. octopus knives, pulling itself around on its octopus arms that end in knives. <laughs> It's really the best. Also, a lady on her way to a uh, to surgery just gets goes flying out a window like straight <laughs> out, like Wiley e. Coyote style, and just <laughs> that image and you sort of a word bubble by a doctor saying like, "All right, uh, cancel the surgery, uh, alert the morgue." is a pretty is yeah. pretty funny, honestly, just in terms of raw absurdity. It's so like really weird, all of it. Yeah, so the threat to Sump is, is eliminated, and he's pretty stoked, but not for long, because Dread doesn't care for this ugly trend and decides to eliminate it. And here's where we really, you know, not since Uncle Umpty have we seen really just the jack-booted heel of the Justice Department come down on something. Um, yeah, like, and for I don't know what the reason is. Just because Dread finds the ugly craze to be distaste, the ugly fat to be distasteful. Basically, he that is a crazy person's. <laughs> yeah, fucking... he he has the Justice Department Standards Office crack down on the claims of the ugly products. They cr- they crime blitz everyone coming in and out of the clinics. It's full scale pr- prosecution. 
thousands, really yeah, thousands protest in the street, and Dread has city weather control rain torrential rain down on them. <laughs> Finally, a huge tax is levied on all ugly products, essentially killing off the fad except the very rich. Uh, Otto becomes Otto Lestomp, high class ugly figure. <laughs> now ugly, now ugliness is a symbol of wealth and excess, which is fine in my book, actually. <laughs> Wow. Next episode, Mega Wave Madness. That ended like so intense. Totally, yeah. I love this ending and just this thing of like, yeah, just the Justice Department. You know, reminding you that the Justice Department maybe isn't the uh, the shining good guys you might like them to be. You know, they're just the ones that dared the bosses. Yeah, and also, but also just this. Like, Otto Stump and this ugly stuff is going to echo through two th- through Judge Dredd. You know, we're going to see stuff like this just going forward. I even, um, like, even, like, in, like, the 90s, they have callbacks to it. Like, there's, like, a, you know, there's a story about an ugly supermodel. Like, a, 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 a supermodel that was, like, part of this ugly craze in, like, the 80s and stuff. It's pretty cool. Wow. Like, why didn't they? Why didn't they just have like the people who owned like the beautiful making places attack some for like hurting their business or something? Why these like gangsters? You know, I, well, I think I don't know. I think the gangster stuff is just sort of they wanted to have like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they just wanted kind of some, some generic gangster thing. It's it's a good point that yeah, it would have been cooler if like the Mantis gang wasn't just doing a protection racket but was unhappy that because they were ugly and they felt like Stump was making fun of them or something yeah. like that but you know yeah, it's some. I mean still awesome like I my favorite part was the robot what killed that guy oh my lot. god yeah you know they can't all be perfect you know that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> of course hey they speaking they are beautiful episode 58 progs 189 to 192 December 1980 Thrill four, Judge Dread. I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing was... my, my best out here. <laughs> so, script robots for Judge Dread this month are out. Are Alan Grant on his own writing as Alvin Gaunt and Alan Grant and Alan Grant and John Wagner writing as TB Grover. The art robots are Ron Smith and Ian Gibson. Uh, drawing as Emberton, and that's a new um, artist on this, uh, on a Judge Dredd, and the letter robot is a Tom Frame. Oh uh, yeah, Tom, pa 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 Always. So, we know that Mega City 1 has these huge highways, right? They're, they're massive, they're full of, like, commuters, they build prisons in, like, traffic circles in the middle of the highways. <laughs> There's huge. even millions of Mega City 1 citizens that just live in mobile homes that are constantly on the move driving around the highways and byways. Mm-hmm. To service all of these cars, all of these people on the road to Mega City One, we have Big Mo, a giant mobile service station, one of many presumably, that provide all the services that a car needs, a garage, a gas station, rest area for people. It's even got a car dealer for people to buy new cars, all going at 200 miles an hour. It just looks like a giant like red spider that travels down the road like if you need help it like picks you up and tosses you into a service bay and stuff or like you pull alongside it and it does like mid-air refueling and stuff it's super duper awesome it's like a giant red bullet of awesome speed just 
Fuck, God, it's like a hundred times the size of a car. Yeah, it's really neat, and it sort of opens with a vignette, vignette of like a couple on the road and almost out of gas, and the and the and like one of them's like, "All right, I put in a big mo request. I should be by soon to fill us up or whatever." <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> In this peaceful thing of future economics comes a the Road Rash 2, a car programmed to win at a demolition derby. It goes haywire and crashes directly into Big Mo's guidance system. Dude, it's super awesome. Like, the car itself is just, like, it's just really intent on just destroying all things while the guy who's driving it just ejects like oh fuck this thing's nuts yeah he sort of continues to watch the carnage in the air yeah he hits the silk and just sort of in the ejector seat yeah watches all the following stuff uh unfold (laughs) it's awesome so big so road rash takes over big mo and turns it into a giant engine of destruction oh god it's so cool (laughs) luckily dread is on the case Seeing that the mechanics that are trying to fix the vehicle have been killed by smashing into a low overpass, Dredd does a sensible thing where where he has everybody evacuate the Big Mo and then challenges the machine to a race. It gets really great. Yeah, there's a, just a huge chase of Mo of, of Big Mo, this huge vehicle with all these arms and stuff, like reaching out and trying to grab Dredd as Dredd drives super fast on his lawmaster and stuff. It, oh Big Mo's gaining on Dread, threatening to get him with his grabber claws, when suddenly Dread stops, and Big Mo's momentum carries it over the side of an overpass, off the side of a highway, and p- sending it plummeting two miles down to the service. To the surface. I love, I love the way they frame this shot, where Judge Dread is angled in such a way that you can see the car falling to the ground but he is on a different like i guess yeah like i don't know piece like of road incline. or something like that yeah yeah and so he's talking sideways while the car is talking upright because the car is plunging towards Earth. yeah it's super awesome so the guy that was driving the car that was driving the road rash in the first place has landed at the bottom of the city and it's like whoa that was a ridiculous <laughs> turn of events what will happen next when suddenly the big, big big Mo comes crashing down on him and the whole thing explodes? Whoops. And it, there's a fun artistic thing where, like, the whoop sound effect of Mo crashing is made out of, like, metal and car parts and stuff like that. So awesome. It's neat, man. So, on the next one, on the Jack Elam Expressway, alien hitmen are knocking guys off with some kind of fear gun. Dread. It's kind of just a cool concept. Yeah, it's an awesome like like weapon. Dreads on the case, and the clues quickly lead him to the F. Lloyd Masney housing scheme. I gotta say, because everything's named after like 20th century celebrities in um, in Mega City One, I spent like five minutes looking up F. Lloyd Mansey, but in fact, it's not actually a historical character. <laughs> Um, oh, all right then. It's a giant housing development built by a guy named F. Lloyd Mans- uh, uh, Masney, which I assume is a F. F. Lloyd Wright reference. Um, but it was built. It was a development built to hold two million people. But soon after it was completed, all the signs in it were completely destroyed by vandals, making it an impenetrable maze that no one can find their way in easily. And now home only to derelicts and lost souls. 
It's just so amazing. Like, just, just the description and time they put into this place. It's is, just this massive, like, maze-like building full of, like, odd angles and curlicues and other kind of weird stuff like that. It's beautiful. The alien hitmen get lost immediately, but not so lost they can't be found by Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. I'm going to shoot your friend in the face. Yeah. Well, they cause big accidents and stuff. They kill lots of people. Oh, yeah, man. The fear gun's pretty neat, man, because it's like a a flamethrower almost, but what it shoots out is the thing you're most afraid of, whether it's spiders or, like, scissors or needles or something like that. It's, man, it's neat. It's a fear thrower. Yeah. A stream of giant needles causes the... Got the judge that's assisting Dread to cower in fear and fall off the side of a ledge. <laughs> Dread shows down with the alien assassin and and uh, takes him out, but not before Dread gets hit by the fear gun and mm. nothing happens because Dread oh. isn't afraid of nothing. Oh shit, man! That's that's so cool. <laughs> that's the best thing ever. He's like, yeah, so what? Yeah, that's yeah, the. Like, oh, fuck. Every once in a while, that they have Batman do that, where like he gets hit by like Scarecrow's gas and just nothing happens because he's the goddamn Batman. But not <laughs> always. For Dread, I feel like that should always happen. Just like, yeah, no, you're preying on my psychological weaknesses. I'm Judge Dread. I don't got those. Yeah, man, he's the perfect judge. Yeah, more of a machine than a man. Next up, <laughs> at home for dinner, Dread chokes on some Indian cooey that Walter has made. It's uh, pretty bad. Apparently, uh, Walter uh, is freaking out because some robots no. at the Longuette has got have gone missing. <laughs> there are some robot thieves around, ah. which means that it's time for Dread to use Walter as a decoy. <laughs> he doesn't even adhere to his own rules. There are like three different GRs that he doesn't W. I mean, end, ending in R's is tough to do with the list. That's what I want to say. Uh, Fitted with a twacer, Walter and his friend Quanky walk into the mean streets uh, and are quickly picked up by some Dwoidnappers. <laughs> Dwed follows the twacer until the signal disappears. The thieves' hideout is shielded. They're wiping the robots' brains and reprogramming them, or reprogramming uh, them, for the black mawakit? Ma- I don't know how to say that one. Uh, luckily, <laughs> luckily, Walter has a plan. He serves, that's another one, I don't know if you can do that one in the, wall, in, uh, in the thing, but he serves coffee to the wobo-nappers, but one of them, uh, one of them reacts poorly to it. He runs outside to wetch, which allows Dwed to find the twacer. The judges soon arrive and save Walter. Hooray! <laughs> it turns out that Walt put one of those Koei tablets from the beginning of the story into like the synth calf, and that makes Dwed almost feel bad for the lob waker. So whatever, he was useful once. No one cares. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh man, I love the Walter lisp just because I know Fox hates it so much. I hate Walter so much. <laughs> whatever, Looney's Moon. Get to the next one. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> two nights each week in Mega City One from 9 p.m. to midnight, a Mega City One company uses lasers to project advertisements on the moon. Which I guess is like a business. I mean, it's something. You gotta advertise somewhere. People own billboards and stuff. Um, <laughs> but they advertise like commercials. They do jumbotron special personal messages. All kinds of stuff. 
And it seems like it, it can be fun, but people are mostly pissed about it. There's a pretty fun thing where they show um, like a rich couple, and it's like you know, like happy anniversary to my wife of you know May May Jug, and then a bunch of people looking at the moon like at Lovers Lane, and they're all like, "Screw you, May Jug, you're stupid." It's. It's really exactly what would happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. So it's also really pissing off a religious cult called the Loonies, which have some ridiculous robes and sharp knives and a plan to show their lunar devotion. Yeah, it, uh, it becomes a little fatal. Mm. Meanwhile, a mother and father go to the Justice Department looking for their lost son. They get tossed around the Justice Department bureaucracy. Um, Which is amazing. It's pretty, Everyone just offloads it to sigh. Yeah. Well, they just yeah. They basically they like talk to Dread. Dread's like go to go to Justice Central. They they go there. Justice Central is like go to Psy. So they at Psy Division. One of their psychics uses their kid's knee pad to figure out where he is. Rubs it on his face and brain. This is really the first time they bring up the fact that everybody in Mega City One wears knee pads and no one really talks about it. But I think yeah. it's a fun, fun running joke. Um, yeah, but so he rubs the knee pad on his head, determines that the kid is at the Looney Temple. They uh, dread his dispatch to stop by to check it out, but it just seems like it's a wild goose chase. The kid's not there, he's out doing something. But it turns out that he's actually, or sorry, as dread leaves Looney Temple, he sees projected on the, lo- on the moon projector a bunch of loonies attacking the moon projector oh system. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's being broadcast on the moon. Dread and several other judges roll in and clean house at the projector uh, uh, center. A kid, the kid from the knee pad, was kill is killed in the process because that's just sort of how things go in Judge Dread stories. Yeah. The rest of the Moonies are rounded up, and we see that Dread has horrible handwriting as a temporary service inter- inter- interruption <laughs> is projected on the moon. It's amazing. Next time on Judge Dread, the Fink's in town. Oh shit. Episode 60. Progs 193 to 197. January 1981. Thrill 3. Judge Dredd. So script robot for Judge Dredd. This month is John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as T.B. Grover. Art robots are Mick McMahon, Ian Gibson drawing as Emberton, and Ron Smith. Writing robot is a Tom Frame. John. <laughs> <laughs> You said, that's okay, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> the Fink is in town, Foxy's come to kill. And he's got rats, and also a rat with a bowler. That's yeah. right. Yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, gross. yeah, meanwhile, Judge Larder, who flew the Justice One during the Judge Child quest, is uh, riding around his lawmaster. He gets hit by a spiked ball full of poison, or pison, as Fink calls it. Which paralyzes him. Fink grab. Oh, good. Oh no! Please continue. Okay. So Fink grabs Larder and carries him into the sewers, where he's eaten alive by sewer rats. Not the uh, best fate. <laughs> no, not indeed. Hours later, the judges find what's left of his body, along with a calling card with a crude drawing of an angel and the word Fink. Meanwhile. Yeah, Put that together pretty quick. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Meanwhile, back at his lair, Fink crosses the name Larder off of his kill list with Hershey and Dread still on it. So, a random citizen is poisoned on the streets of Mega City One, Fox. Street. It's right smack in the head. 
Totally, yeah, just to get to taken down. Street Judge Barbara Hershey investigates. Meanwhile, Dread is shown the angel calling card from Larder's body, puts two and two together instantly. He tries to warn Hershey about a fifth angel, but it's too late. She is taken. It's uh like they battle through like this whole like area of a um yeah. like an apartment or something like yeah, that. They, they like he- bailed on the street and he's just got this like mace ready to stab into her and she's beating the shit out of him for yeah man Hershey gives a pretty good accounting of herself but eventually gets hit by this paralyzer poison it's just you know you get scratched by it and you're instantly paralyzed there's not much you can do really exactly um with the judges on his tail Fink runs with the body of Hershey like on his shoulders he he poisons a hotel pool and loses <sighs> his pursuers in the chaos uh, Sphinx's status as the oldest judge child is confirmed to Judge Dredd, and as this happens, Fink, his rat sidekick Ratty, and Hershey's paralyzed body escape into the night. It's, uh, it was like this whole, like, chase sequence, uh, that was done super well. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, there's like, a uh, guy dry, like a guy, you know, Fink runs through this hotel and like poisons people as he goes, and everybody's so the judges have to deal with like these guys, these poison dudes. They just be like, oh, I'm dying. And it's like, all right, we got to deal with this so we can't chase Fink. Fink, like, what a, is sleepy by suction bets? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he, but Fink, Fink escapes on, on like a mattress truck. That's what I'm going to guess. <laughs> Maybe their beds that sick to things. I don't know. But Fair. like the, uh, the 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 driver recognizes that there's someone stowing away on his truck, and so he like looks over and he just gets a face full of crazy rat dude, and then Fink just shoots him right in the face. Dude, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. So as Hershey hangs upside down, paralyzed, Fink Angel reminisces. After my angel died, giving birth to Junior. Pie Angel decided to teach his boys to be the meanest, most evil boys the world has ever known. Hooray! Style equals fear. Yeah, the the key to true evil is to have an individual style, which Fink definitely has, as apparently he's been living in a hole in the ground since age seven. He's a born loner. (laughs) Just likes being in, like, weird crawl spaces. Yeah. Over the course of this flashback, we also see the angels, like, kidnap a doctor from Texas City to set up Mean Machine's Mean Machine in his head. <laughs> because he was, like, too nice of a kid. Basically. Yeah, he's, like, like sniffing flowers and being peaceful, and they're like, that boy is too nice, we gotta make him mean. <laughs> so I guess just put a dial in his forehead and replace his arm with a giant metal arm. I mean, yeah. What what do you what do you what are you supposed to do? Huh? Tell me that. I'm, I guess I'm not. Uh, Make that boy mean. Give him a dial. Yeah. Regulates I'm not his meanness. Tell someone had a parent, but make him just. Know, that's the right way. Use his metal head to headbutt everything it comes across. Everything <laughs> in whole creation. Give him crazy metal arm. So no one knows what he's thinking. Anyhow, during this point, uh, Fink heads off on his own to have poison-based adventures. The Over time, the radiation of the cursed Earth has warped him into the awful skeleton man we now know and love today, and caused him to meet and become friends with his buddy Ratty, the cursed Earth Rat. No, the story does not explain how Ratty got a tiny bowler hat. Anyhow... <laughs> 
Fink learned of the deaths of the rest of the gang, and now he's out for revenge, because revenge is always very important. He's got a special plan for Judge Hershey. Also, and this one, the, the, that last one was in Prague 95. Also in Prague 95, there's a second Judge Dredd story. Oh, yeah. Just because, I guess, they fell behind in deadlines for Mean Arena. So they had a second Dread in 195 and then a Robo, a, 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 a Robo Tales in, that, in a 196. But so. Yeah, it's like super different. Yeah, it's, well, they, they, you know, it's, it's drawn by Ian Gibson, who's got his really, who's like, man, he's just doing this. He's basically kind of, I feel like he's doing almost like an impression of Mick McMahon here because <laughs> you kind of get a sense of Gibson's art style. Like, you know, he does like, he did like a Robo Hunter and stuff. So. It's got kind of that Robo Hunter vibe, but it's also got this really angular, like rough McMahon style tossed into it. That's that's very interesting, but also, ooh, it's real, real arresting just in how it looks and stuff. It's, and it's yeah, everything's really in action. Yeah, which is what I enjoy a lot. Yeah, it's very Cubist Judge Dredd almost. <laughs> so it's time for a t- for a, t- a it's time for a crime swoop, which is you know where the judge just burst down your door. Rip- <laughs> Rip all your stuff apart looking for crimes you've done. Hooray fascism. <laughs> oh, yes. Rather than answer the door, the citizen in the apartment just runs and the judges give chase across the Barbara Streisand walkways. Uh, awesome. Dread and Judge Turpin give chase and they catch the man and bring him back to his apartment to search it. They tear his apartment apart, but they find no evidence of any wrongdoing. Eventually, the judges leave. No crimes found. But, you know, everyone's guilty of something. And Turpin stays behind to find out via, unfortunately, torture. We cut to Turpin turning the perp in for three years in the cubes because of an old numbers racket he was involved in. But Dredd had already planted a camera in the citizen's apartment just to see if he did anything illegal. And so now he has video of Turpin beating the confession out of the citizen on tape. Torture is a- Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, torture is illegal for judges. You can't, like, beat confessions out of people, I guess. Which is, I don't know. It's an interesting just sort of one of these little wrinkles and folds of the law in uh, in, 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 in Mega City 1. Well, it's like you can't just go instigate with a non-combatant, I think is an interesting way to put it. Because yeah. Judge Shred will beat the shit out of you after, you know, he believes you did a crime. Definitely true. Yeah. enough. But you're supposed to you're supposed to nominally respect the citizens' rights, I guess, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, uh, Judge Hilda Magruder, who's w- one of my faves, makes another appearance because she's the head of the SJS, the uh, the ones who judge the judges, and she sentences Judge Turpin to twenty years on Titan, and a citizen is let free at least until he accidentally admits to running the numbers racket to Dread. Back to the cubes. It was, it was so corny. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You're free, all that shit. Hey, tell me, just between us, did you run the numbers racket? And he just confesses. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, back to the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> See ya, baby. I should mention also that uh, Judge Turpin is the evil judge from uh, the musical Sweeney Todd, uh, played by oh. Al- Alan Rickman in the, uh, in, in the movie. Just like a little, like, um, I don't know, trivia here, just in terms of where the names for some of these guys come from sometimes. Huh, that's awesome. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, well, I was trying to look it up to see if this guy comes back, but all the, all the, um, all the, all the search engine hits were for Sweeney Todd stuff. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Anyhow, 
Let's go to Recyc. This is awesome. Recyc's where all the dead bodies in Mega City 1 go to be harvested for parts and recycled, hence the name. It's this huge structure, and Jesus Christ, it's incredibly terrifying. (laughs) It is one of the, like, I want this print moments. Like, like yeah. This Mike McCannon thing is... McMahon, He's got yeah. some shit going on. It's just, it's this huge color page of, or, you know, double color page of this huge, like, I feel like it's a, it's a, like a conveyor belt, I guess. And there's just dead, like, naked dead bodies being tossed onto it, going to this huge maw that's full of, like, machines and, like, you know, mechanical teeth and gears and stuff. And, oh, it's real. It's super evocative and just bone-chilling, basically. Just the just the casualness with which these dead bodies are are uh, are, are dealt with, I guess. I couldn't have said that better. That's, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just one of those banality of evil kind of things. Oh, just wait till we get to the end of this. Oh, yeah. The most horrific thing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's here that Fink has brought the paralyzed body of Judge Hershey. He pissed his way through the uh, base, but is caught on video and Dredd is alerted and he's on his way. Hershey, still alive but paralyzed, is put on the conveyor belt to be processed by Recyc. Fink describes it, and oh, it just like they rip your teeth out and you pulverize your bones and stuff. Oh my god! They rip out your eyes, yeah. suck out your intestines, and sh- it's like not going to be great for yeah. someone who's definitely alive. Definitely, Hershey. To her credit, is not like freaking out or like you know as I would be, just like screaming in terror inside her head as she as the machines like grab her head and prepare to like rip her eyes out. Basically, she's just like, oh, what a crazy way to go. Who would have thought? Which, man, this lady is a badass, dude. <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> and then there's just this arresting image of, like, these... I mean, he stops it, right? Yeah. But, like, the things have gripped onto her teeth, ready to pull. It's, like, about to start. the are just, like, right there. Yeah. Luckily, Dredd has fought his way into the facilities and stopped the machines just in time. Like, honestly, could have been a little sooner, <laughs> to be frank. <laughs> and then the grossest fight in the world yeah. happens. So, so Fink and Raddy attack Dread. FYI, Raddy's one of those cursed earth rats, so his bite is like instant death. They fight out in the tunnels underneath Recyc, just knee deep in like bones and hu- human soup, basically. Um, uh-huh. Uh, they go, they fight for a bunch. Dread forces Ratty to bite Fink, and the fight is won. And the two of them just kind of collapse in this big, uh, like, goop, essentially. And uh, it's, uh, everything about this is gross. Uh, also, we get our first uh, Wang in 2000 AD in one of the scenes because the bodies have all piled up and there's just this huge mass of naked corpses. You can make one out. I'm just saying. Um, that's sort of a creepy milestone for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, both Hershey and Dredd are fine, and Fink has survived the bite of Ratty, but is now in an ISO cube forever. Raddy himself has escaped and is still at large inside Recyc, presumably just getting fat on human bodies. And just chilling out in a little nest, maybe. Enjoying his hat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck it. I got food now. And so we go, oh man, Frank Angel, it's crazy, but it's good to, um, it's good to see Hershey back. You know, I love when some of our, when some of our buddy judges show back up in the, uh, in the comic, you know, whether it's, uh, Magruder or Hershey or like Giant and stuff. It's always cool when those guys show up. 
I miss Judge Giant. You know, soon enough. So, Fox, deep in the Black Atlantic, which is what the oh Atlantic Ocean has become. It's completely just super polluted, and you touch the water, you die. Deep inside so there, crazy. the evil Captain Skank aboard his disused <laughs> deep-sea defense platform dispatches hundreds of torpedoes full of pirates at a research vessel bound for Mega City 1. Oh, it's just, it's Ron Smith doing just like crazy art, because sometimes they just kind of say like, hey, Ron, like we need you to make this the craziest thing anybody's ever seen. And Ron's just like, yeah, okay, I can do that. <laughs> let, let me just let me just make shark torpedoes. Hundreds <laughs> of shark torpedoes. <laughs> they uh, they they attack the ship. They kidnap all the scientists aboard and head out. Among them, as we learn in a Mega City One uh, judge's briefing, is Geno Matrix, the Nuke Boffin. Uh, also, her- hey, that guy's hair is snakes, <laughs> mechanical snakes. Yeah, at least yeah, Skank's hair is in fact mechanical snakes. Uh, snakes. Be very clear about it. <laughs> with uh, with Matrix's um, knowledge, she could update the nuclear missiles inside Skank's underwater hideout, which could allow them to threaten Mega City One and the world at large. So, it's time to bring in the big guns. Dread is transferred to Atlantic Division to take this madman down. Meanwhile, at the base, Matrix, a lady with a scarlet witch headband, is refusing to help Skank until she is brought to Skank's mother, a giant mutant octopus with each of its tentacles ending in five snapping mouths! It's pretty horrific, actually. It's super-duper terrifying. She agrees to help Skank, and now he'll have the power to challenge Mega City 1. Next episode, Nuclear Skankin'. Oh my god. Because Skankin's also a dance and stuff? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I had no idea. Oh man, you gotta skank around there, buddy? Um, (laughs) I'm (laughs) alright. I'm excited about this Pirates of the Black Atlantic stuff. You know, there's not... There's not really a or uh, there aren't a, a a ton of super you know or let's start again there aren't there isn't a real big dread epic until the end of the year this year but this is one of the fun sort of like multi issue side stories that I think are also very neat and just sort of a hey here's another crazy threat to Mega City One you know a mini apocalypse every week I will also I mean for me I love pirates oh I, yeah like, I don't know what it is. I just fucking you add a pirate to something I'm pretty into. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, this one's got your got your future pirates on the Black Atlantic. It's good times. Yeah, whalers of the moon. <laughs> yeah, carrying harpoons. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so from that high, man, six dreads in one episode. That's ridiculous. That's a lot of Judge Dredd. It's and true. It was kind of it was weird. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's definitely weird having that Ian Gibson one just in the middle of, um, the Fink Angel story. Like, it, it breaks it up in a really weird spot, and you aren't expecting it. Like, I, you turn to that page, and it's like, whoa, another dread? Wasn't there always dread in here? What's going on here? <laughs> it's definitely, I think, like, um, a lot more tame mm. than the rest of it. Although it does kind of, I mean, obviously deal with a man getting beaten by the police. And, so. yeah, and it implies sending a dude to Titan, which is pretty horrifying. Like, they, like, you know, remove your, they sort of join your mouth and your nose into a big breathing apparatus and stuff. Oh, God, poor Rico. I Man, know. Rico knew what he was getting into. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they mess up Rico's face so much that even though he's a clone of Judge Dredd, they can show you what he looks like because that's how bad it is. That's how messed up he is. 
It ain't great. Mm-hmm. It's not great whatsoever. Yeah. Episode 61. Progs 198 to 201. February 1981. 304. Judge Dredd. Yeah, script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as T.B. Grover. Art robot Ron Smith and Ian Gibson writing as Emberton. Letter robot Tom Frame. Oh, Tom Frame. <laughs> so, Armageddon has arrived in Mega City One as a new kits the Bob Oppenheimer block. Which is ironic. It's really intensely devastating. Yeah, it's man. It's like this full-color explosive image. Armageddon has arrived. We, we cut back to two hours ago as Captain Skank and his right-hand man, Tuscarossa, use the info from <laughs> kidnapped scientist Geno Matrix to retrofit a bunch of nuclear missiles and fire 30 of them at Mega City 1. These fucking names are amazing. It's true. We get some awesome pictures of just the Mega City 1 defense grid going into action. The uh, the MIRV nature of modern nukes, like each one, once they get close enough, each one spills out like a hundred a hundred other nukes that are even harder for, harder for like the laser grid to shoot down and stuff. So bizarre! It's nukes real shooting nukes. It's real awesome. But eventually, all but one of the deadly warheads are destroyed. But that is enough for it to make a direct hit on the Bob Oppenheimer block and kill millions of people in the tightly packed Mega Mega City One. A 10-mile radius is, like, blown apart. People are melting and exploding, and then some of them are just radiation poisoned. Yeah, I mean, it's your standard sort of, like, here's how nuclear fallout works. But, yeah, like, at least, apparently, I think the number is, like, 4 million people die in an instant because of this nuke. And observe the hand-waving that goes on from the Justice Department as they breeze over that topic every time it's brought up. Well, I mean, they've got better things. They've got bigger things to do, and that's retaliation. Yeah, big time. They're going to go after this dude with a apparently a flying thing that can also be a submersible. Yeah, man. Yeah. So back at the hideout, uh, Geno Matrix is having a full Ron Smith freak out. He draws her real crazy, and it's real awesome. Um, and an army of judges pile into a submarine plane thing to head out to Skank's base and take him down. This is like my favorite color page next. It's so pretty. It's cool, man. Yeah, it's just the uh it's the ju- it's the plane tank flying and assaulting the defense platform. Inside the so the judges attack and it's just they're fighting tooth and nail against these pirates. Most of the pirates including Tuscarossa thinking that a thinking mysteriously Skank has <laughs> served his purpose hit the lifeboats, but the judges take control of the platform's weapons and blast them all out of the sea. Oh, they're all dead. Yeah, Dread. <laughs> Absolutely. Dread takes on Captain Skank, who quickly summons his mother, who will recall is a giant squid monster, Drock! Where the squid tentacles are little also monsters with yeah. eyes and teeth. Each, each tentacle ends in five little tooth monsters, basically. <laughs> it's awesome. So insane. So Dread fights the squid, and man, it's just the greatest. He, uh, he grabs a pirate he loses his gun but grabs a pirate cutlass and starts chopping tentacles and stuff eventually he manages to grab a high voltage wire and electrocutes both the squid and captain skank to death and like he's caught in this electricity but because i guess his like suit is yeah he's got an yeah his insulated judge uh, a judge uniform prevents makes him be able to survive the brunt of the of the electricity attack 
God, they're just super people. Yeah. Don't mess with these judges, dude. <laughs> Get fucking serious. You know, f- f- fear the badge. You heard it with his blood. You know, fear the gun. The sentence <laughs> might be death because he is the law. Um, anyhow. <laughs> um, uh, a matrix and her tech people are all arrested and uh, put in prison for their hand and the millions of people who've, who've died in the nuclear attack, which seems fair. Yeah, hello. Like, sometimes you just got to choose to be killed. I don't know. Um, and that, Which sucks. But yeah. I mean... I mean, counterpoint, four million dead people. Uh, we learned that, that that Skank was being remote controlled by a second-in-command, Tuscarossa, whose body we found. And it turns out he was a fake mutant. This whole thing was a false flag. He's not a... Oh, my God. What's underneath all this fake goop and shit he put all... Oh, my God. Tuscarossa. Sawblock top agent. Nikita Cram. Oh it was the songs all along. Oh my god, what are we gonna do? They go real cool with it. The judges return Graham's body to the Sovs in a coffin with a note attached. Our missiles are prepared. We await your response. Signed, Judge Dredd. Damn. Not ready to go to all-out war with Mega City 1. Not yet. These Sovs instead make a gesture, exploding one of their own nukes in East Meg 1, an eye for an eye, I suppose, but rest assured, this ain't over. Damn, man. Cold. Yeah, you gotta, they have to do a, uh, you know, retaliate against themselves to stop, uh, you know, the nukes from flying. So fucking crazy. Anyhow, after some of that, you know, um... <laughs> Ridiculous really p- pirate shit. fights and tense nuclear brinksmanship, Fox. Let's just watch a fun game show, all right? <laughs> One that's about, apparently, confessing to crime. That's right. It's called Any Confessions. It's hosted by Corn O'Connor, who is clearly a futuristic version of uh, contemporary game show host Des O'Connor, who... <sighs> Will recall was the namesake of that one city block where Barney, the city computer, started granting everybody's dearest wishes back, like oh. in Christmas 1979. Hmm. Yeah, it's a weird thing. But so, uh, basically, in this show, couples confess to crimes they've committed for cash and prizes, which they'll receive after they serve their jail time. Because after they arrest, they basically after they confess, basically, to just bring a judge out to arrest them. Well, I mean, you know, counter that. Doesn't seem so bad. I mean, like, you're locking up the criminals, right? Absolutely, yeah. All the lawbreakers go to jail, and the Justice Department is basically pretty cool with this show. Except for Dread, of course. Well, what's his freaking problem? All he, these arrests. Like, he it's a good thing that all these people are getting arrested. He TV. just doesn't like it. And so he gets a list of future contestants for the show and has them followed and finds out that <laughs> they're now in advance of the show committing new, bigger crimes so they'll be able to win more when they go on the show to eventually confess to them. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah. Dread takes this to the Council of Five, you know, the rulers of the city. Um, and who, who are, in this case, meeting on an open rooftop for some reason. Three of the council, including um, my buddy Hilda Magruder and Judge Pepper, who will, of course, re- remember, ser- um, served heroically with Dredge, with Dredd and Chief Judge Griffin during the Judge Cal um, situation, vote to keep the show around. But wait, look! A pair of any confessions contestants are coming to attack the council meeting on this helicopter hoverbike. Not 
I mean, that's such a bad idea. It's cool, though. Judge Pepper is hit, and Dredd shoots down the assassins. Judge Pepper Damn. dies in, in Chief Judge Griffin's arms, and the council decides to ban the show. I loved this part because the psyops judge guy yeah. was like, here, here, I foresaw trouble all along. Yeah, note that he didn't vote in the first place. Freaking exactly. psy judges. <laughs> Fucking A, man. So yeah, the show is shut down. Confessions will no longer be televised, but feel free to turn yourself in to any passing judge. Next next time, when a lawmaster goes haywire. I want to read that one. And I'll just say, um, not next episode, but the episode after that. Oh man, just the graffiti situation in Mega City 1's getting out of control. If only there was something we could do about it. Ooh, it's a spoiler! Okay. Uh. Oh. <laughs> episode 62. Progs 202-205. to March 1981. Thrill 4. Judge Dredd. So, script robot for Judge Dredd this month is uh, John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as T.B. Grover. Art robots are Ron Smith, Ian Gibson as Emberton, and Steve Dillon. Letter robots are Tom Frame and Just Thomas. But possibly... to a bunch of people getting shot through the fucking body. <laughs> a lawmaster, which is the bikes that the, ju- that the judges ride on, is on the loose. It, Shooting it's, people's butts. Yeah, it starts by taking out some months robbers that are dressed like superheroes, then goes berserk, just blasting away at pedestrians and its former Judge Driver. I think it's the first time we've seen months on in, in Judge Dread. It's the primary food stuff of Mega City One. We'll be seeing a lot of it as time goes by. Really? Yeah, just you know, just a minor Mega City One thing here. Anyhow, Dread leads a team of judges to take down this road rogue bike. They are largely unsuccessful because you got to shoot these bikes just in the right spot to destroy them. That's easier said than done. And man, this lawmaster is just driving through town, <laughs> massacring citizens and judges. Shooting out support billers and destroying highways. Every time you see the bike in page, Ron Smith draws it. Draws the bike sort of in the background. Bullets streaming out of the front of it. (laughs) And like at least like five or six citizens just being like blown into the air by the force of the bullets from the judge bike. It's so amazing. It's It's just, just... As long as it's going, it's killing. It's just total chaos, destruction, loss of life. Dread on his own, the last survivor of the judges that came to stop this bike, follows it onto the monorail, where it uh, it machine guns its way through the cars. Dread enters the train from the front. Uh, his own lawmaster plummeting to the to uh, thousands of feet to the floor below, to the ground below, saying like, "All right, see you later." Um, it's like sad, but. I mean, I guess it's just a tool. Yeah, bike. En- oh, sorry. Dread enters the train and uh, you know s- stares down the bike and takes it down with a precise shot to the fuel tank, blowing it up. All's well that ends well because Judge Dread is the law, and he receives the thanks of the sole survivor of the monorail, who Dude. is covered in blood and dangling. <laughs> Two miles above the city, just barely holding on to the front of the destroyed floor of the monorail car. Oh, no, he's holding on to Judge Dredd's Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and one foot, one hand <laughs> attached to, to, to Judge Dredd's ankle or whatever. Like, oh, thanks, Judge Dredd. You know, maybe pull me up? I don't know. 
dude, the, but it's the shot, like, right there. It's just Judge Dredd standing, this guy holding on to him a bit. The whole thing blown up, and it's just a pile of bodies in front of him. To- it's, like, the massive damage in here. Like, it seems like it's, like, I'm saying all is well that ends well, sort of sarcastically, because it's actually, like, oh, oh my yeah. God, just a, a disgusting killing floor, basically. It's amazing. God, Judge Dredd, you just... I want to say, edge. yeah. I want to say also, there's a cool thing just to notice here about um, artist Ron Smith because he always draws Judge Dredd as one having ankle holster for his gun, and two usually draws him having two guns, which most uh, Judge Dredd artists don't do. That's sort of a Ron Smith Judge Dredd signature. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. You know, just good to keep an eye out for, I guess. But that takes us to the tale of who killed Pug Ugly. And again, Ron Smith. Ah, the two things Ron Smith does is like just thousands of people dying really violently and people being super duper ugly, you know? And so (laughs) this has really been his month with first the Lawmaster story and now uh, Pug Ugly where Ron Smith is just having a field day drawing these super ugly characters in this story. Which, is it like a... Is this whole thing like a Beatles reference or something? Let's get to the end because I want to talk about it then yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so Pug Ugly and the Buglies—they're in a band of they're, they're a band of ugly dudes. They sing songs about being ugly. It's pretty cool until Pug is assassinated on stage. Dread kills the assassin, and it looks like the case is closed as the Buglies rush Pug's corpse to the transplant clinic to have his vocal cords removed Dude, for and, a transplant. And this other- yeah, and this other judge just like, oh yeah, don't even fucking worry about it. We killed the perp done. And I'm like, man, other judges kind of suck. I mean, you know, they got a lot of work to do. They can't be investigating crimes that they've closed, you know? But something doesn't sit right sit right with Judge Dredd. So he investigates the killer, Vito O'Reilly, and finds that he's actually taken out at least 100 life insurance policies on himself before the killing to help his mother after his death, not realizing that all life insurance policies in Mega City One pretty much are voided if you die by the hand of a judge by the hand of a Mega City judge enforcing the law. <laughs> so in other words, if you're collateral? I mean, or if you're a crook, you know, you can't like right, that's fair. It's it's to keep you from doing what this veto guy did of taking a bunch of law insurance of life insurance policies and then committing a crime knowing that, that the judges will kill you, basically. I mean, I it seems like a smart thing to have in those clubs. I mean, I think it happens in in, in, in real life too, where, you know uh. if you lose your life in the you know, while doing a crime, like you your life insurance you get less from your life insurance, you know, whatever. That's um, pretty fair. Yeah. So, meanwhile, the Puglies, or the uh, the Buglies, I should say, have a talent search for the new Pug Ugly and give the winner the singer's the vocal cords and an auto-sump patented ugly makeover. <laughs> but in classic horror movie fashion, the transplanted vocal cords have a mind of their own. They call Dread while the singer sleeps, telling him to come to the next concert. Then, at that concert, in song, the new Pug Ugly sings a song that incriminates the rest of the band as the money behind the original Pug's murder to get the band more publicity. Uh, ter- oh, my God. <laughs> terrified by this admission, the Buglies now kill the new Pug Ugly as well. and they're, On stage. Yeah, on stage in front of everybody. Dread arrests them, and they're going to the cubes for the double murder of Pug Ugly. I loved the name 
of the condition it's called, which is cellulopsychic regenesis. Yeah, just where you're... That is possibly the coolest fucking... <laughs> just, you know, the general thing where your transplant comes back alive and has the mind of its previous owner. You know, you've seen this movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting thing coming in March 1981, right? Like... They could have started working on this thing right, like, in December 1980 when, like, John Lennon was killed. And then yeah. it passes for the whole Paul on it as a Beatles reference thing and stuff. I don't know. I don't want to, yeah, like... Ringo is the drummer. I don't want to I, I don't go that so far as to accuse anyone of anything like that. But it is definitely a really weird, if not coincidence, weird, like, inspiration point to go forward with. You know what I mean? Yeah don't know if there's subtext yeah. probably not eh, you know yes uh, i'm sure it could be like oh what if uh like that that happened they were like oh what if a rock star in mega city one died and ron smith is like what if it was an ugly rock star and there you go <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a tiny alien in judge Dredd's oh. office <laughs> It's been sent by Chief Judge Griffin to be shown around town by Dredd. He's a a writer from the Uquan people, and there's an important trade deal coming up, so be careful. Oh, I guess we better give it to Judge Dredd to escort around the city. (laughs) Exactly. There's a culture clash immediately, as it seems the Uquan people are pretty strict. Uh, People can be arrested for not wearing the right shoes, for instance. But suddenly there's a red light robbery, a bunch of guys, you know, in a car, um, rob- uh, mugging someone else in another car, and Dread gives chase. Some pretty solid Dread chase action here as, oh, hell yeah. as Koo looks on from the back of, of Dread's lawmaster. It ends up with one of the perps being caught by Dread and Q basically just pulling a gun and uh, and shooting her because sh- 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 shooting the criminal because a summary execution is very common on Uquan. Which holy shit, number one and wrong dude to like stand in front of and shoot somebody. I mean, it's not like summary execution is an unheard of in ju- in uh, Judge Dread's world, but. By judges, buddy. We know who the law and who isn't in in Mega City One. So, yeah, man. Uh, Koo gets five years in the alien pound. Which uh, it'll ruin. <laughs> that's what they call it. It'll ruin human Uquan relations, and that's why you don't assign Dread to diplomatic missions. A lesson that will not be well learned over the course of Judge Dread. <laughs> Listen. The chief judge said wear kid-style gloves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was fairly reserved for a long enough period of time. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, totally. Yeah, the, the ambassador pushed him to it, but still, you know, it's still pretty good. Absolutely. The final story is Alone in a Crowd. This is, I think, well, I guess there was one in the annual, but the first Prague dread stuff by Steve Dillon, I believe. And he draws a really neat, like, Life in Mega City 1 story, I'd say. Mm. that's um, about muggers robbing people on a moving walkway and people not, like, lending a hand to help or say, like, hey, don't rob that guy. Instead, just sort of, you know, trying to keep down, you know, thinking, like, just don't make eye contact, avoid being robbed, don't attract attention, you don't want any trouble. This is a... I mean, there's some subtext to this, especially Mm. in the end, that I really like. Yeah, but you know who does care, Fox? Who cares? Judge Dredd. 
to drive around and pistol whip you. Yeah, he runs down the muggers, just going crazy. Just you know, he catches he he catches one and like you know threatens him so he gives up his buddies and he just chases them all down the muggers are like oh man robbing people on the on the roadways or on the moving walkways real easy because nobody cares and judge Richards bursts into their flat like i care bam shot takes one pistol whip chases the others he's just handing out aiding and abetting sentences as he goes to people who help them you know (laughs) he takes if he takes them all down brutally, and as he's arresting one, the citizens around him just try not to make eye contact to avoid also being arrested. Don't attract attention. You don't want any trouble. So Which they have the, like, sa- the, the exact shit. same thoughts about Judge Dredd arresting people as they do with muggers mugging people. Which yeah. I got aspect. Very cool. Gotta think about it. Yeah, man. The, Perhaps, I mean, it just... Every episode kind of that's in Mega City 1 continues to just sort of reinforce your point that this thing is a character. You know? Yeah, it's awesome, right? But even more, even like what has me jumping around in my seat for next week, Fox, is next episode on Judge Dredd. Graffiti! Ah, it's going to be good! Okay. Like, like American graffiti? Kinda. I mean, graffiti <laughs> in America, yes. But probably, <laughs> well, and I guess actually, yes, maybe a couple high school students riding around looking for trouble. Okay, yeah, maybe exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got, I'm excited. Oh, you I mean, should be. Graffiti's pretty good. Ah, well, you know, we'll see. Episode 63, Progs 206 to 209, April 1981. Thrill 3, Judge Dread. Did you notice... On this wall, it says, who judges the judges? Mm. So I think it's kind of interesting, given that, you know, Watchmen, etc. Yeah, and just the fact that we got judges who need to be judged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, script robots for this month are uh, John Wagner, Alan Grant, writing Stevie Grover. Art robot, Brett Ewins. Ian Gibson, drawing as Emberton. Ron Smith and Colin Wilson. Glad robots, Tom Frame. Tom Frame. So, no credit card in Prague 206, which opens with Judge Dredd standing in front of a huge graffitied wall with, incidentally, both ta- tags from both Chopper and Phantom. To I thought that was kings. pretty cool. Yeah. The graffiti, gra- graffiti is a growing problem among jubes in the city. That's juvenile uh, offenders and stuff. And we see Dredd arresting a bunch of no-good wall scrawlers, making them for Like, they're forming a human pyramid to try to tag a spot that the scrawler King Chopper has already claimed. Oh my god, he beat you to it. Get out of here and Amscream. By that I mean Juve Cube time, bastards. Yeah, Dredd makes him walk to the station and the Juve Cube's in that pyramid. He starts just rounding up all the kid scrawlers, even Satchmo! Which I thought was the funniest thing. So weird. <laughs> he sends him to the cubes for six months of pop. Meanwhile, at school, young Marlon Shakespeare is not paying attention in his unemployment class. After what? What? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, five percent or whatever of Mega City One has a job, <clears throat> so you got to, you know, people have to learn what they're going to do with their lives. So they aren't going to be working, you know. One fine job, unlikely. <laughs> Two. Uh, keep occupied three keep off the streets four keep out of trouble five find a hobby exactly (laughs) dude two of those things are not like the other (laughs) (laughs) after narrowly avoiding getting picked up in a sweep for scrawlers 
um, and getting yelled at for doing poorly in unemployment class by his folks who managed their time pretty well. His dad is 18 years into trying to head an egg into a bucket and be the only person in Mega City One who can head an egg, an egg into a bucket. And his mom just Gosh. is just sort of washing up. You know, she washes all the dishes, then she dirties the dishes and washes them again. And it's like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> It's a little, uh, it's a little intense. It's pretty family life. It's pretty intense in terms of the, uh, the desperate existence of Mega City One inhabitants. Just a box of dirt that you keep right next to all the other things in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. So Marlon Shakespeare resolves to be somebody and to do something with his life. And that's why, in reality, he's Chopper, king of the Mega City One scrawlers. For having such ugly, horrible hair, his outfit's pretty dope. Yeah, he's got like kind of a, he's got like almost like a dreadlock liberty spikes or something like that, I'd say. I think they're supposed to look like feathers, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Uh, so yeah. to prove it, he writes his name as large as possible on the Huck Whitney block, which Huck Whitney, I believe, is a made up uh, name. But anyhow, it's a massive mm. piece of work and a crowning achievement, except that the next day, someone has, someone named the Phantom has written Chopper is a Ninko above his name. Ooh, that Phantom! It's a Scrawler War! Oh man, and it's the Phantom. Definitely not like Batman or that Phantom, if you know what i'm talking <laughs> not the uh, the ghost that walks in uh, africa <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but phantom does have a, have a very batman-y kind of uh like a uh, symbol for his name whereas chopper is the word chopper with like a smiley face in the o yeah they're both pretty clever yeah but so, i mean like how do you top someone who just topped you he you go off you go off and you write your name on the white cliffs of dover here in mega city one on tour now they aren't guaranteed white oh no now people are gonna want their money back it, and the lettering is so fucking huge it's really like, gigantic it's a mountainside yeah how how long did that take this child it must have taken him all night or something i don't know He's, he works pretty quick but <laughs> so the um, things are getting out of hand as like the phantom diverts traffic and tags the mega city one like m main highway. <laughs> and so eventually the phantom calls out chopper, the statue of judgment Saturday. <laughs> but like everybody knows that it's going to happen. So all these judges there with spotlights, it's yeah. like hundreds of them, man. Yeah. Marlon prepares for the job as dread heads up a massive security detail. Yeah. Spotlights and observers everywhere, but chopper uses a reflective cloak, heat activated paint and monofilament wire to do the job. When he hears the sound of suction cups, it's the phantom, but the phantom is a, a Robot? Yeah, it's a like wall. It's a apartment painting robot or something. Either way, the judges have spotted them. The Phantom explains that it's like a city painting droid doing a drudge job for its entire life until it's disassembled, totally unremembered. <laughs> and uh, Chopper is a real freak out because that's exactly what life as a human in, in Mega City One is really. 
and goddamn, it's happening to robots too. <laughs> it's, I mean, it means that like it, it's hard to tell whether like it's humans becoming robots or just you know, or, like you know, yeah, mm-hmm. everybody just lives these blank lives in this city, just sort of existing. That really messes Chopper up and and the Phantom actually, because the Phantom knows that he'll be taken and reprogrammed and turned back just into a normal robot. So instead of doing that, he's going out scrawling. He uh, jumps off the side of the, of the Statue of Judgment, sort of with his spray can going as he falls, leaving a big line down the Statue of Judgment, um, and uh, dies on the at, at the foot of the statue. God, it's intense. It's super intense. Uh, Chopper, meanwhile, is taken into custody. He gets five years in the cubes. But as he's taken, the sun rises on the city. And as heat-activated paint starts working, a Chopper's smiley face appears on the badge of the Statue of Judgment. Chopper is King Scrawler! Oh my god, I'm gonna really just own that for the next five years. Listen, buddy, Chopper will return when he gets out of the Juve Cubes a little over four years from now in Prague 424. That's amazing. And really? that, yeah, and that's when Chopper gets, oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I'm not going to freak out too much, <laughs> but it's going to be good. <laughs> All right, then. Um, I love this story. And I love it just, you know, as someone who talks a lot about Mega City One as a character, you know, Dredd's barely in this story. He just kind of appears in the opening and in the closing to arrest Chopper and stuff. A lot of it's just learning about what life is like in Mega City One, about how, you know, about how people deal with like sort of this weird future, just like, it's a, it's weird because it's sort of a, it's sort of a post need dystopia, which is an interesting kind of concept, right? Because usually when we think of like post need situations, it's like a Star Trek, right? Where people could just do what they want. And, you know, do interesting things. But this is sort of a, a dark version of that where, you know, I guess you can sort of have a place to live and food to eat and all that stuff. But there's no, like, there's no, there's no need or even want for people to go out and, like, actually, you know, have a job or accomplish something like that. I don't know. It, it's an interesting <laughs> idea. And I guess just like you run out of hobbies. I mean, there's only the so point where yeah. you decide to do something, like, really just bizarre, like dirtying dishes. Or just being covered in eggs as you try to head one into a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just really weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that was Case File 4. A lot of variety in this case file, from the Judge Child Adventure to the trial and trials and tribulations of Marlon Shakespeare. The Judge Child is so important to dread, both establishing space stuff and the character of Judge Hershey. And I think this volume really belongs on your shelf for sure. I think it could be great as a new reader's second or third volume, again, just sort of after having established what Dredd's supposed to be. This is a great chance for Dredd to get out of his comfort zone, go on an adventure, and really um, show what kind of character he is. As well as showing um, just what, again, further elucidating what life is like in Mega City 1. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, go up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardinghan, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends at the 2080 forums. 
If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd truly appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support this show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of Modern 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. In our next case file, we're once more working towards a big epic as we learn more about the mega crimes of Mega City 1, deal with Judge Dr- Judge Death and his friends, an experienced block mania, and then finally, the storm clouds of conflict shall at last burst and start an apocalypse war. I hope we'll see you then on our next case file collection. Splendid for free!